If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. I always have a good time when Ben comes in the studio. Benny! That's right. He's he's family now. Yeah. We get much love from him. This is one of my favorite interviews that we've done with him. Uh, you know, you can just tell that they're, we're on a different he's level. He's like our crazy cousin. Right. And one of the things that I, I razzed him about the very first time that we did a podcast with him when we were all just getting to know each other was this fool was dropping sponsors like... Every single sentence that he talks, like the micro machine guy. Yeah, but he does it. He does it very smooth. In fact, I don't know how many people really yeah. picked up on it. And I remember calling him out on it. And so I joked with the boys. I'm like, we're gonna get him back one of these days. <laughs> where we're gonna throw all of our sponsors in in one of his interviews and see in how a he conversation. Like, right. Yeah. So. Well, my favorite part was. Yeah. By by the way, this episode's awesome. Ben talks about oh, longevity. Great, great episode. Talks about. I mean, we get really deep in the weeds with science. So you science nerds are gonna love it. And then. Mm-hmm. We have fun talking about business and all that stuff. But there was one part where uh, I think, Adam, you were mentioning- Ned. Hello, Ned. Yeah, you were mentioning Ned, who's our uh, our hemp extract, the company that we work with that's got the CBD hemp extract that comes with the complete, uh, all of the cannabinoids and all their benefits. So Adam's talking about that. And and then Ben's like, oh yeah, just like the company I work with, blah 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 yeah, blah yeah. blah. Like, oh, this guy. Also, I'm an investor. <laughs> yeah, he hijacked me. Dude. Yeah. He did. He did. <laughs> he hijacked uh, my sponsor plug. And yeah, then he, and then I talked he about sponsored your sponsor. I talked about. Uh, I think I talked about um, Lions Man. I think in this episode because we're talking about brain health. Right. And I talked about Four Sigmatic, and I forgot that he's also sponsored by Four Sigmatic. So he went yeah. off on his own. Yeah. On his own like tangent about them. So we talked about that. We talked about- He just um, recently picked up also, I noticed that he was rocking his Viore pants. That's right. Right? So I'm like, really? You're on the Viore game too? Yeah, dude. Like, man. Yeah. He's got their clothes. Then we yeah. talked about uh, Red He's Light- He's on the up and up. We talked about Red Light Therapy. Of course, we're sponsored by Juve. Um, and then we mentioned his bars, which uh, that wasn't even trying to mention a sponsor. That was literally- no. Those like don't last here at all. We yeah. we goggle goggle goggle. We goggle. Gobble. We yeah. goggled them up. <laughs> we goggled them up. Stop gobbling everything up. I goggle. Uh, so here we go. Here's a list of the sponsors that we talked about in this episode. There's Hello Ned. They make full spectrum hep extracts. You get 15 percent off with every purchase uh, with your first purchase. Excuse me. If you go to Hello Ned H E L L O N E D dot com forward slash mind pump. Then, of course, we mentioned Four Sigmatic. They're the makers of the Lion Mane, but they also make Cordyceps. They have Chaga. These are mushrooms for health and performance. If you go to foursigmatic.com forward slash mind pump and enter the code mind pump, you get 15% off. Again, we mentioned Red Light Therapy. That's Juve. If you go to Juve, J-O-O-V-V.com forward slash mind pump. If you buy something that's $500 or more, you'll get hooked up with free shipping and a free MAPS Prime program. That's a value of like $100, I think. Um, then the Viore clothing that Adam mentioned. If you go to Viore clothing, that's V-U-O-R-I clothing.com forward slash mind pump, you'll get 25% off uh, your total purchase. Mm. And then finally, Primo Ben's uh, company, his supplement company, he makes these bars that are fucking amazing and very good, very natural. Uh, if you go to Get Keon, and his that's, coffee's legit too. His coffee's good too. If you go to Get Keon, G E T K I O N dot com forward slash mind pump and use the code mind pump, uh, he hooks you mind pump ten. Excuse me, he hooks you up with ten uh, percent off. Ben, we need a bigger discount, uh, yeah. but you still get a discount. It's really good. Yeah. Um, and of course, Ben Greenfield, great friend of ours. You can find him on Instagram at Ben Greenfield Fitness. 
his podcast. If you don't know about it by now, why have you been hiding under a rock? It's the Ben Greenfield Fitness Podcast. Um, and that's it, man. One of our favorite people. Great episode. We hope you enjoy it. Here we go. I'm all about better living through science, but I, you know, once you get to the point where you're isolating an unnaturally high level of an extra, it's just like essential oils. I mean, a lot of those can be bad for you. Right. If you're if you're consuming the equivalent of like 20 turmeric roots from a few drops of turmeric essential oil, mm-hmm. which is essentially what that is, I mean, that, that that's a lot of turmeric. That's what we do, right? We uh, we find a little bit of science that supports something cool, you know, or that it, well, it, positive benefits, and then we abuse the fuck out of well, it. Well, it's right. it's hard to it's it's hard to overdose on an individual compound when you take it in its natural form. Very easy to do when you extract yeah. it. Like try to eat too much enough food to have too much vitamin A right. in your system. Exactly. Good luck, white wool bark. Yeah, yeah or even in the world of, of nootropics, like like selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, right? Like, mm-hmm. And St. John's wort is a perfect example yeah. of a very good natural antidepressant. And you know, River and Taryn and I actually harvested a bunch of St. John's wort. And Do you concent- really? We concentrated it. You find it nat- naturally growing? It's a beautiful little yellow flower with a little bit of oil in the bud. And you can harvest it. It's very easy to, to pick, very easy to identify. You just put it in vodka for four weeks, and wow. then you strain it. And you, you can do, they, we did like a mortar and pestle beforehand with the flour and the bud and a little mm-hmm. bit of the leaf. You put it into the vodka, and then you strain that, and that goes into a little dropper bottle that works as an SSRI. Shut but, up. But, I mean, you, you, would, you would have to eat enough St. John's wort fiber and, and all the natural plant defense mechanisms and all the little things in there. It would actually give you a tummy ache if you were to, to eat a you'd whole get, bunch of that. You'd get sick from mm. eating too much plant material before you Right, so there's like a it. natural built-in stop mechanism yeah. that a lot of these I find that fascinating when you think of even things as like sugar. I mean, could you imagine someone trying to do or Eat someone getting, getting obese on you? Ever shoot on sugar cane? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, like, like one soda. One soda is like eight feet of sugar cane. Right. It's like, like my jaw is tired, <laughs> and, and, and you get through like you know a, a tiny little chunk of sugar cane, which is the equivalent of like half a teaspoon mm. or right. sugar. Or you yeah. find honey, which is pretty concentrated form, but you have to get through bees yeah. to uh-huh. get it. You bees, know what I'm a tree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> it's messy. It's so, sticky. Yeah. It's a little bit different. And then we came out. I always find that dose corn syrup. Don't you guys find that crazy fascinating though? That that the how it's all been put on the earth as it is, and then now as we've manipulated and changed yeah. all this stuff, now we have all this disease and stuff. Well, the like, two the yeah. two beliefs are you have yes, the creationism. The yeah, you have the creationist belief, which is you know God put them on earth that way. Then you have the evolutionary you know belief, which is we evolved, co-evolved with all these compounds and plants and stuff, and so it just works better that way because that's how we co-evolved. Um, or both, right? Um, but uh, right, you, and it, you, it's an art and a science, though, because a lot of these things that we're talking about, like say isolating processed sugar from sugar cane or some other sweetener, and then concentrating that, we know that that, that produces you know insulin insensitivity and and oxidation with the high blood glucose in the bloodstream and and all these side effects, but. There are other compounds that you concentrate, and we get a great deal of benefit, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the St. John's Wort thing, right? Like I'd love to have a, a really good SSRI dopamine and serotonin precursor I could have around, but I'm not going to keep a bunch of bushels of St. John's Wort in my pantry. So, you know, some is good and some isn't. There, there's, there's the ways that we used to concentrate things were different, though. Like if you were, you would make a tincture, or, and it's just not the same as when you go in a laboratory, extract it, and. 
it's just on a whole nother level. I mean, they can right. they can reach concentrations with uh, in laboratories that would re- would be virtually impossible with old methods. Oh, absolutely. Of extraction. I mean, have you guys ever done like synthetic five MeO DMT? No. I mean, uh, you know, you you can go to the Sonoran Desert and hunt down a toad and and catch it and isolate everything or lick the toad or however you're going to get that extract. Or I mean, you can order for pennies on the dollar from you know, a website like like Lysergy. You know, five meo DMT that's synthetically created, that's incredibly concentrated, and that's essentially the same molecule. Is that the that's a it's a powerful psychedelic, right? It is. Wow. Yeah. Now, in in that form, when it's synthetic and that concentrated, uh, there's a uh, toxicity issues, right? People can die from and from it overdosing. lasts a really long time. Really? Yeah. There's never... a lot of DMT derivatives, and you know, if you if you were to inhale DMT, you know, typically uh, the responsible way to do it. And, I, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not a shaman. Believe it or not, <laughs> you know, uh, but from 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 what I understand and what I've experienced, the way to do it is you take ayahuasca and then leading into the the DMT. You've already kind of primed the pumps in terms of, primed the pumps in terms of the the MAOA inhibitors that the ayahuasca is giving you. And then when you take an inhalation of DMT, when you take a hit of DMT, you know it hits you really quickly and and you're in your happy place for ten to fifteen minutes, and then you know trips over and you know you're still still kind of kind of journeying for a little while afterwards Jeez. but like something like 5-MeO-DMT that hits you and stays with you for god knows how long depending on on how much you took and how pure it was it's funny i was just on i was on online the other day and there was this video of this kid uh, who was um, smoking synthetic um, THC the synthetic cannabinoids they actually sell these they they call them like spice or something like that mm-hmm. and this kid was he took like two hits he did he had a gravity bong which i haven't seen in in years, have you seen? You've seen those, right? Mm-hmm. And he took like two big hits off of that thing, and he f- lost his mind. Like it was, it was a scary thing to watch. Poor guy, mm-hmm. really, really freaking out, and um, probably didn't end up very well. And there's been deaths associated with these synthetic cannabinoids. You try doing that with cannabis in its natural form, you can't. You can't kill yourself. You could try. I know people have <laughs> tried yeah, to smoke yeah, too much. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, and, I, and I take CBD now. CBD is just one of my favorite molecules, and and I'm I'm not that into THC. Like I use mm-hmm. THC maybe two or three times a week, right? But CBD, I mean, I'll sometimes yeah. take a good fifty to sixty milligrams before bed. And sleep like that's actually my my sleep combo is I take we got we got to introduce you to Ned then we just actually yeah. hooked up as for a sponsorship with them yeah really really like that company yeah they do full spectrum hemp extracts but you know what because yeah. you're seeing that a lot now in the market right CBD's mm-hmm. become the thorn, new thing Thorn has a new hemp extract and, and mm. I actually have to be careful because because I talk about CBD and you guys know how it works in the podcasting industry you talk about something and everybody comes out of the woodwork right oh, but I you know. know full disclosure I you know I I do some advising with Thorn and help them with their supplement development and. And so I have, you know, basically financial ties to Thorn as one of their affiliates mm. and their advisors. Same thing with this other company called BioCBD out of California. You know, I, I help them with their formulas. I'm an investor in their company. You know, they, they so uh, here's the thing with the market now with CBD. I, I just read a report with these independent um, uh, researchers who went and tested a lot of these hemp extracts. And what they found was many of them had very little cannabinoids uh, at all. And what they'll say in the bottle is like pure hemp extract. Mm-hmm. Some of the companies will have some. And you know, that's why we like uh, Ned was because they actually will list the concentrations of the different cannabinoids. And, yes. and you want what you do, you do want a total plant extract. Although CBD is the one that we know now pro- provides all these benefits. It actually works better when, it's, when there's other cannabinoids present. 
And they're finding now some of these other cannabinoids are very fascinating, like uh, CBC, cannabichromium, I think is, is, is the name, has been shown to uh, grow new brain cells. It's actually been no shown kidding. in animals. Yeah, in animals. It's very, very fascinating uh, stuff. Is, with so, so similar to like a psilocybin or a lion's mane or any of these other ne- neurogenesis-based compounds. You know, I'm not, I don't know if they work in the same way because I know that those are all tryptamine-based molecules. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I, they did some studies with some cats, and that's what they found. So there's no human studies. Really smart, fast. Smart cats. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's really it's really really fascinating stuff. The thing about CBD that really fascinates me is because we've only identified two uh, cannabinoid receptors, right? The CB1 and CB2. Right. One is much more prevalent in your you know the peripherally, and the other one is much more prevalent in your brain. Yes. CBD doesn't attach to either one. Right. It doesn't attach to two, an, to, to either a, one of them. Allosteric modulator of, of those two different receptors. That's the theory, right? And I guess it helps you use your own endocannabinoids better. And this is why I like that. Uh, here's here's something a lot of people aren't talking about because cannabis is so popular now. You use a lot of uh, cannabis or cannabinoids or THC in particular that really lock down and hammer onto the, you know, CB1 and CB2 receptor. Like anything, if you use a lot of it, those receptors downregulate and because your body creates its own endocannabinoids, you could be uh, getting your body to produce less of its own cannabinoids and being you know start to create kind of this this, this cycle where you're now your body produces less. You have lower receptors. Now you have to use more you know uh, THC to get the same effect, or even just to keep yourself you know normal. Right. CBD doesn't do that. In fact, it, it, there there is some evidence to, to suggest that it actually may upregulate. Uh, uh, cannabinoid the the two uh, cannabinoid receptors so it's yeah. really really fascinating but I do I do want to um, you know I'm very careful because now what we're seeing in our space especially in like the muscle building space there's fucking CBD protein yeah. CBD pre really? pre workout CBD oh, they're Bro, dusting I, on everything see I've I've gotten a, the, I actually have back home I got a bunch of packets I forget what company sent them to me but it's like CBD it's got some caffeine it's like a pick me up I've always found my own personal response to CBD to, to be that it settles me down mm. yeah. like I don't like to take it before a workout because it it it, uh, it decreases stress to the point where. I, I just you know I'm, I'm a little bit too easygoing. Do you have now that now this is also why a lot of ultra runners and trail runners will use yeah. CBD because you just right. you, know, you put on your deep house. They want to go chill. for a run. Yeah. yeah. Are yeah. you how sensitive are? Because I see you whenever whenever we hang out, which I love hanging out with you by the way. But every time we hang out, I'll see you drinking you know coffee or caffeine. You seem to have a pretty high tolerance for stimulants. Yeah. Would you say you do? Well, I grew up on freaking espresso. You know, okay. My, my, okay. my dad was a gourmet coffee roaster, mm-hmm. and I and we're paired espresso machines. My parents were not too clued into nutrition, to biochemistry, or to healthy eating in general. Meaning that, uh, f- for example, um, I would consume the equivalent of almost a gallon of what you know the big plastic gallon jugs that you get from the grocery store of two percent milk, mm-hmm. just crappy, you know, commercial cow's milk. And every night I would go to bed with a stomach ache and my parents thought I just had a really bad case of the stomach flu all the time. Oh, and they would give me antibiotics <laughs> and, get, and, and, and medications and I'd go to the doctor and, and, you know, it turns out later on, I found that I have a pretty severe lactose intolerance. Oh, shit. Right? But <laughs> you'd you'd think, I love you, mom, oh, dad, oh. but you'd think someone would think about that. Back then. Yeah. And, and same thing with coffee, right? Like I, I would easily do like six, seven shots of espresso when I was 12 years old. Oh, Holy you know, shit! Just throwing wow. that stuff down. Now, granted, 
and just reading I, actually related to the BDNF thing. I want to I want to come to that back to that because yeah. it, there's there's kind of an interesting genetic factor here. But I am a very fast coffee oxidizer. Okay, genetically, I mean, so it's I'm in and out of my. System. I'm slow. I'm a very slow yeah. caffeine you found oxidizer. All new means to put it in though. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's true. I, I I process it slowly. So for me, caffeine can be edgy, and so when I combine it with CBD. Best combination of all time. I get the elevation from the caffeine. I don't get the mm. edginess. And CBD or cannabinoids also change how the liver actually metabolizes caffeine. And I'm not quite sure. I, I read an article. I, mean, I don't remember exactly what the article said, but it said that there, there may be some benefit to combining the two for some people. I think I'm one of those people. It's one yeah. of the best combinations ever. Yeah, L-theanine. You, know, you put yeah, 100 that's, to that's 200 milligrams of L-theanine. Uh, uh, Tulsi and astragalus are two compounds that Four Sigmatic is blending with their instant coffee blend now. Love that company. And, and same thing, you drink that coffee and you get just this this kind of kind of stabilized, non-jittery awesome. energy from the coffee, but it lasts longer. So yeah, theanine, astragalus, Tulsi. I have not tried CBD and caffeine, but that's- I, I love it. You could oh, also yeah. do uh, grapefruit seed extract. What's that compound in there? Nine, it's N-I-A-G, something like that. Anyway, it's, it's grapefruit seed extract will actually slow down the- the rate at which you get rid of caffeine. So for someone like you, if you want it to last mm. longer or stronger, yeah. you could take grapefruit that's seed extract. That's the dangerous thing it. about grapefruit. That's what people tell you. Don't take <laughs> grapefruit juice with, with medication. Yes. It'll yeah. it'll get the blood concentration too high. Right. You, it increases you, you, the half-life, yeah. I think. Yeah, exactly. Pretty, exactly. pretty interesting. Medications can do damage if you take them with grapefruit juice. Now, you were talking about coffee. I see your key I know. On I was just going to pull that out. Coffee right here in front of me. <laughs> oh. Um, so Product placement. It's, now, let's, <laughs> put that next to the THC. We just talked about that. Let's talk about your your, your supplement company for a second, not because I'm trying to plug anything, but I'm very curious how well it's doing. What is the process of starting a supplement company and getting that going? Because I've always mm-hmm. I've always been curious about that. I've always been curious about, oh, you know, maybe I want to put something together and sell something, but it feels like such a monster. Well, is it a monster? Was it just a big, massive endeavor to get going with that? I want to reply to that question, but I want to close one loop, if I may. Do it. And that's that part about BDNF, because I mentioned oh, genetic yes. testing. And I recently found this out, that 23andMe doesn't actually test for all the SNPs and actually tests for a pretty small amount of them. And so I, I got tested up in Canada, and I tested both of my, my, my twin 10-year-old boys, too. And we got all of our data back, and it turns out that all three of us guys produce very low levels of endogenous BDNF. We possess a gene that makes us uh, lower in in that miracle grow for the brain. Interesting. And so now my kids are drinking lion's mane tea before school. They're doing the infrared sauna three times a week because sauna is another way to increase BDNF. Uh, they're not fasting because I don't think fasting is all that great for, no, for right. highly metabolically active kids. kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, wait for the social workers to show up. But uh, but you know I'm I'm doing a lot more attention to to fasting and some amounts of calorie restriction. What are some of the side effects or potential negatives of having low levels of endogenous BDNF? Is that increased well, risk of dementia and- later in life? Yeah, increased oh. risk of dementia and Alzheimer's uh, earlier in life. Ju- just not having your cognitive performance as high as you would want. I mean, we found all sorts Wait a minute, of interesting that, You're not as smart as you could be? Get the fuck out of here. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh shit. Yeah. Long term, it could come back. And, and I found out a few other interesting things too. Like we, n- none of us boys possess the gene 
that allows you to produce vitamin D in response to sunlight. Oh, I mean, shit. And I get a ton of sun. You know, even yeah. when I was an Ironman triathlete, I'd be out in the sun for like eight hours a day. And now I take my shirt off and I go outside and, you know, I'm in my backyard naked a lot of the time. It's I, good time I, I get a lot of sun and I, I, got I, a I love it. And, and obviously I'm getting all the circadian rhythm benefits and the near and far infrared benefits. But it turns out that there's a reason that despite me doing that, my vitamin D levels when I test are always like 30 to 50 max, hmm. right? And you'd expect my levels to be like at least Optimal. above 50 yeah, and 60, maybe 70. close to 70 or 80. And so now same thing. My kids are supplementing with vitamin D. I'm taking a vitamin D, vitamin K blend. And so the, this thing about genetics, it's, it's just like a fascination of mine of late because I've got this 50-page report that I'm going through that's highlighting all these things I didn't even know about wow. my body and also my kids. Like it's it's kind of fun to be able to see how I can help my kids to live a better life, to be smarter or to detox better or mm. to have higher levels of vitamin D for their bones or their teeth. Now, do you ever so, think to yourself, because sometimes I wonder, right? So let's say you, we'll use the example of the BDNF, right? You naturally have low endogenous levels of BDNF, but what if there's this genetic variance that goes along with it that we don't know to test for where your your body is adapted or at least uh, it knows how to use the low levels optimally mm. and increasing it beyond that may be detrimental you know what i'm saying yeah. what if there's something like that because i start to get brain cells coming out my ears <laughs> yes you know <laughs> too smart uh yeah i i, you ever see, think what, about I that? see what you're saying yeah yeah yeah. yeah, I wonder. Yeah. What if it would be I mean, a where? steep cliff? You get brilliant and then it just dives off. Would you rather that or would you rather be like the average IQ for the, your entire life? Oh, man. What right. would be worse, being brilliant and then a steep exactly. fall off or exactly. like an average IQ yeah. your whole life? Yeah, that's actually my concern too. Mm. And and I, I realize I'm completely ignoring your question. I'll get to it in a yeah, second. Yeah, we'll get about, to it. About um, when we were talking about the upregulation of CB1 or CB2 receptors or desensitization in response to heavy THC use, the same thing scares me when it comes to you know, what seems to be the darling of the fitness or the health industry right now, and that's uh, specifically like either synthetic smart drugs or psychedelics. Yeah. Right, same thing. You get this huge flooding of the synaptic cleft with, with dopamine and serotonin and – uh, d depending on the supplement, a lot of these, a lot of these ampicines like Ritalin that people are using, mm -hmm. uh, norepinephrine, and you see an increasing need for a lot of these neurotransmitters, increased sensitivity, a need for for increasingly higher dosages. And like I, I got on the like the psychedelics bandwagon for for a while. Like I was doing like the every three days dose with psilocybin and doing like the weekly microdoses mm -hmm. of LSD. And I'm, I'm a lot less. Uh, I guess infatuated with those compounds now, mm. just based on my hunch that it, it, it can create some pretty significant, uh, specifically like a dopamine insensitivity, right? If you have an insensitivity to dopamine, that's not good, and, and you're not feeling good when you have sex or when you eat a chocolate bar or you know anything else that you might just need more and more of to feel good, that's kind of a serious issue. Yeah, I yeah. think we have a, we have a tendency, people, well, humans in general, have a tendency to find something powerful and fascinating and then abuse the shit out of it. It's right. just what we do. And I think that's what's happening right now with a lot of these. Don't you think that's right. how we also naturally evolved and we need that though? Don't you think it's necessary for- We have for, to swing the pendulum. We, we, we need, we need survival we mechanism where equilibrium right? the, is. The, the, the tribe is starving and, and oh, hey, there's honey in the tree. Let's eat as much right. yeah. honey as Sid Richards. We can fucking shut <laughs> oh, down our good. bullet yeah. because you know who knows when we might see honey again. And now we live where you can go buy giant mason jars full of honey at Whole Foods and- eat as much as you want and all of a sudden there's there's kind of this this ancestral backfiring mechanism
Yeah, yeah. I think that's our. So back to to Keon. Okay, back to Keon. What is yeah. that? What was that like getting it started? And then I want to know and how did you how, source it and all that kind of how, stuff. Go into detail. Yeah, right? I wanna, your decision making with it. And how well is it doing now? Because you've had it now for you. You went live with it how long ago? Wasn't that long ago, right? Oh. It's already almost, been like eight months, Almost right? a year. Yeah. Okay. I think it's coming up on almost a year. Mm-hmm. We launched with several uh, several flagship products, right? So we had a colostrum for the gut, uh, oregano for the immune system, uh, a, a, a uh, something called Flex, which is this this joint support compound that's just got you know everything in it that you'd need for you know tart cherry and ginger and turmeric and mm-hmm. you know one of those shotgun formulas for the joints uh, skin serum and frankly a lot of compounds that i had already either private labeled or worked with other companies to create for me and was selling under greenfield fitness systems right and a few years mm-hmm. ago i made the decision that rather than having my name tied to a company and having a company rely upon me as the face and name, mm. you know, d- despite me still being, you know, one of the, one of the prime kind of kind of you know faces and names for Keon, I didn't necessarily want to be burdened with the idea of my entire company being dependent upon me, being dependent on a key man. That whole like mm-hmm. if I get hit by a bus type of thing. That's some right, serious right. foresight because it right. takes a little bit of. Uh, you have to have a pretty healthy, comfortable ego because the opposite tends to happen. People want to be yeah, they want the, face. the face of everything. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I, I don't have a deep desire, at least in, in, when, when we talk about the supplements industry, to be like the Tony Robbins or the, yeah. the Tim Ferriss or somebody who, who knows you based on your name versus knows you based on your brand. product and, right. and, and your brand. As, as an author... Uh, you know, my dream is to continue to be known for for my nonfiction books, and my goal by the time I'm 50 is to have a best-selling five-part fiction, fantasy fiction series. You know, and, and for those type of things, I absolutely want people to know my name. I want mm-hmm. them to see, you know, new book came out by Ben Greenfield. You know, go go buy this book. But with Keon, I I couldn't care less if sure. people know yeah. whether or not I'm the I'm the CEO or the founder or, you know, my my role right now there is I am behind the scenes developing formulations. So and and that's what I love to do. So what we have are formulators who we work with who go out and find the raw ingredients, you know the the best ingredients or the ingredients that we want to put into a mm-hmm. compound and then those are produced, they're they're manufactured in a CGMP facility or we're private labeling or white labeling certain supplements from companies or even having them modify those before they send them to us uh, or we're partnering with companies like Thorne, you know, because mm-hmm. I have a lot of athletes that follow me and I want something that is either NSF certified or TGE certified or is super duper clean. That's very expensive for me to do. Mm-hmm. With, let's say the colostrum I get from a small goat farm in Western Washington, you know, it's wonderful grass fed, grass finished organic goats and the product is amazing, but that's a very spendy process for me to NSF certify that. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd rather have some options and show up in their drug well. tests and all that. Right. So yep. we've partnered with Thorne. If you, if you buy a product from Thorne and you look at the label of any of the products I've partnered with them on, and a lot of people don't realize this, you see a Keon logo on, on all the Thorne supplements. And that's because I've chosen to partner with them for some of the things I, I want mm-hmm. to have NSF or TG certified. Mm-hmm. Um, so how long mm-hmm. of a process was it getting to getting your own brand together and then finally being able to launch it? Did that take a while? Yeah. Well, you sh- can was, I, can was, I ask you, it like- was about two and a half years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, start, I mean, in terms of me making that decision and then developing the logo, I mean, internally, 
we uh, follow a, a certain like a, a book called Traction that where we have where we use their document. Uh, they also have a wonderful book called Rocket Fuel. EO Systems. The, the, EOS yeah, Systems. EO, EO mm. Systems. We follow their entire formula for a few reasons. First, my operations manager is he would be considered the like the the executor in the whole like rocket fuel type of relationship whereas I'm the I'm the visionary right like I say I want this to happen or hey you know these are the last 8 books I read on mitochondria and this is currently what we're in the middle of right I want to create a full formula that's got PQQ, D-ribose, uh, coenzyme Q10, magnesium, full vitamin B complex. If we can afford it and if it makes sense in the supplement, if the price point is right, can we put nicotinamide riboside in there? And, and I go through everything that I want mm. in the ultimate supplement. And many times I'm scratching my own itch. I'm like, I want this supplement so I can take it in the morning. There's got to be at least a thousand other people who would mm-hmm. use something like this, and then he goes to our team and you know works with the formulators, works with the manufacturers, works with our, our team who runs the warehousing facility in Salt Lake, and then we've got a whole marketing team now. We have a social media team, we have a customer support. That's team. a monster. Yeah, and most the, the lion's share of our team is based out of Boulder, right? So we have a brick and mortar offices in Boulder, and then we do a ton of our work on on. Excuse me. Slack is the, I, the the two main apps that I use to run the team is Slack and Voxer. Just because Voxer allows you to do very high bandwidth audio mm-hmm. communication and play it at two to four times speeds. The same way, so I coach nine people who I just help out with their health, their sleep, their heart rate variability, their diet, their training. So I still do some personal training online, and for these people, we use uh, they use Voxer, right? So mm-hmm. anytime my clients talk to me, it's on Voxer. What's the uh, what's your I guess your most popular uh, product, and uh, is it is it something that's got a pretty good response now, or you're right now the bar? I mean, so, you know, and and that was we, the, show. Yeah. we eat the I, shit. Out of I, those those don't bar. last long in here. Yeah, yeah. I keep them, so I quit buying cacao nibs. I keep the bar in the freezer, and and my favorite thing is a frozen Keon bar. I'll eat that as dessert after lunch. I like to sprinkle it on top of Halo Top ice cream for like a like a dessert in the evening like mm-hmm. you sprinkle on some cinnamon roll or some chocolate peanut butter cup or oatmeal cookie flavored halo top yeah. it's and it's just is bomb no, so bomb. We eat it. so yeah what i wanted to do was make make a real food bar that wasn't ketogenic and that wasn't like some greasy oily thing that you pull out of a wrapper but that instead just tasted like real food almost like a healthy trail mix in a in a bar form speaking of ketogenic i have a question for you because uh another big trend that we're seeing in fitness and we called this a while ago is exogenous ketones and everything everything's Mm. got ketones and uh we were talking to rob wolf a while ago and he brought he posed some pretty interesting questions and he said you know we don't really know what the effects on the body are long term when you have the presence of ketones with uh, you know, full glycogen stores because that doesn't really happen. It does in nature unless you're diabetic. Oh no! Uh, 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 or you, maybe at you, that level, our ancestors ate organ meats. You know, liver. Liver has extremely high endogenous levels of beta hydroxybutyrate. If you consume organ meats, a lot of times, you know, you have, you know, our now is it the same? That's liver. A, I don't know that with, with meat and so is I that mean, as high as like when you would supplement with like seven grams of beta hydro? Is that the same? Is it? I, I, don't, the I same? don't know what the what the levels would be. Okay, but you know, you take another scenario. You're in a fasted state. You're hunting. Your your endogenous ketone levels are high. You know, your your ancient man who's looking at your ketone pee strip right. and your yeah, peeing right. ketones. <laughs> you have your breath ketone monitor out there just to make sure you're at one millimolar or above. 
because oh. otherwise you're not gonna be able to go out on your hunt right. and uh and then yeah, you come yeah. across a, a kill you know an animal and you're you're gonna you know eat a bunch of protein you're gonna stop and get the honey out of the tree right and eat a bunch of honey and automatically by shoving all those nutrients in your body you're you're putting glucose on top of relatively high amounts of endogenous ketones and i i don't see that it that it flies in the face of okay. an ancestral okay. mechanism and furthermore when you look at something especially like a ketone ester and to a lesser extent a ketone salt there's some some really cool things that those things do to like the nf kappa b pathway in terms of mitigating inflammation um, they act on on the mitochondrial membrane to enhance the the, the, the function of the electron transport. Are you coming out with a ketone supplement, Ben? Is that what you're doing? No. <laughs> no. Um, it's coming so, hot. So one one of the products that I was interested in developing, and if you guys want more of kind of like the the opening the kimono on Keon, this this is related to that because I'm not going to develop this now. I don't think. Uh, w- was I wanted to do kind of like a ketone supplement that was a complete ketone meal, but that also included amino acids, your full vitamin complex, uh, ketone salts, and you know some type of flavoring, a little bit of protein, and a little bit of MCT oil. So it'd just basically be a powder that would be everything that you'd need, like a like a full meal with all your vitamins and nutrients mm. and everything in a in a keto form. But what I've decided to do with Keon is to quit going after all these long tail concepts and to instead provide people with what they need to almost like satisfy this whole Maslow's hierarchy of needs or the things that I know are really big pain points for people. What would those be? Uh, Sleep, hormone balance, basics, longevity, your joints, Mm -hmm. right? We've got five or six different needs that we are creating flagship formulas for, you know, like that longevity formula I began to describe, which, you know, longevity is almost synonymous with, with mitochondrial support. Right. Right. And so that's where I'm steering Keon now is towards formulas that allow someone to say, open their cupboard and you've got six different supplements and that's it. You're not Mm -hmm. going to the four corners of the planet to fill in the gaps with this and that. And, you know, a gut is another one that we're working now, on. Now, is this is this because of the market response and market research and finding that, okay, if I make this super specific, insane supplement, you know, I'm really limiting myself to a very, very exactly. small audience. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You have to create- uh, You were thinking too much you about yourself. A, a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You have to create a high number of SKUs, right? And, and have like a hundred SKUs that you're selling a pretty decent amount of. Or you need to have a huge following in that one tiny specific sector that you're starting to target, like say, you know, a, a ketone meal. Mm-hmm. So I instead want to have like my dream would be you go to Keon and and there's 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 only like seven or eight SKUs. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like there there's not this huge shopping bag full of supplements. We've learned that lesson with our podcast where sometimes we get really deep in the weeds because that's what we want to talk about and because we've been doing this for so long. And then we'll do an episode that's like how to work your hamstrings in the best way possible right. and just people Build download biceps. it and share yeah, it like, like crazy. One. Yeah. We, like, for, oh. we forget about that. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, uh, you know, elephant in the room, we were talking about a book just before this, right? And it was like, you know, we, we were, we weren't making fun of it, but we were kind of, kind of sort of laughing. It. Yeah. Critiquing it. Oh, you know, don't, don't snack too much to elevate your metabolism because that's a myth, you know, or it turns out that saturated fats might not be bad for you. And, you know, we're kind of laughing like, oh, this is so basic it's so right. element but honestly that that's what a lot of people wants to to hear or need um, to hear yeah, yeah or need yeah. to hear haven't if, been exposed if to your yet. goal now on the flip side though 
ironically, I'm writing a book right now and it's on, you know, these really cutting edge concepts in terms of longevity and biohacking and energy medicine, all these things that would Mm. be considered pretty far out, far fetched, you know, woo woo, you know, biohacking stuff that's going to be, you know, Mm. it's going to be a big, excuse me, 500 page, Mm. eight and a half by 11 hardcover style Costco book with a $60 price point. I mean, it's not something that the masses are going to buy. Is that what you talked about in your magazine article that you just uh, recently did with the, was that outdoor magazine or something like that? Outside. Oh, outside. Outside and a big difference. I don't know if there is. Well, maybe there is. Probably just offended them. Uh, (laughs) uh, What did I talk about in that? I, I don't remember. I was asking. You just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember your pretty face on the cover. So yeah, that was, that was a fun. That deal. was a fun photo shoot. Yeah. They took me to this loft in uh, in in, uh, in L.A. near Culver City, and they had like you walk into this loft, and they literally have a whole room the size of your studio. For people listening, this is a big studio. You know how many? What is this? Like five hundred square feet? Probably bigger. maybe a little yeah. bit more than that, six hundred or so. Yeah. I'd say, yeah. yeah, and uh, and it's just like like stacked with like all these these hangers with clothing, like like literally six thousand bucks worth of clothing in this room. And then you walk into another room, and there's camera equipment in another room, and they've got camera equipment set up there. I mean, they they just plan this photo shoot out to the T, and they've got you you know wardrobe and haircutting and different lotions on your face Damn, so they, i mean they go to and, dude you know, he was blue steel hard shoot. you guys see that yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. That. i'm yeah. sure yeah. You're hand, at your handsomest brother. and then they finished <laughs> up with almost an hour of shooting in the cold tank like that the front cover photo of outside magazine is is me with my face in ice while well, i was laying in an ice tub and they would take a bunch of photos i get up i drive myself off they're like okay round two we need to do some different photos different <laughs> angle you know they gotta they gotta quit shooting and go through all the photos to see if they've got the shadows and the angle and the clarity that they want they throw you back in the ice tub and it, it, Damn, it, it, was, it was quite the process wow, yeah. shoot. and it was real I, ice yeah. sounds like torture it, it, that, it was a real ass ice tub fake ice I mean they do well, fake weights for you know they, and then they put dry ice in it too so that you get like the smoke kind of coming out oh wow yeah. yeah that's clever yeah. that's nice I don't man. want you to, I don't want to leave the, the key on talk because I, I actually we, how much of the backside will you share I mean you've already uh, alluded to using EOS but what about like will you will you share with us kind of like how much how much it takes to even start something that big like how much capital did you right. need and, and partnerships and, and runway like time yeah. to actually turn it into where it's green like and is it yeah. is it green yet and i just took on 100k from a friend of mine um i invest in a lot of different health and fitness companies like i mentioned that cbd company uh you know i've invested in in uh, some bone broth companies i've i've um you know, my, my, my portfolio is, is kind of growing in terms of like fitness and nutrition and supplement companies. And, uh, I have an, uh, an LLC that I co run with another guy who's like my investment partner and he's got more cash than I do. So a lot of times in, in some of these investments, he'll bring cash to the table and I'll bring more of my influencer and affiliate status oh, that's a to great the deal. table. And usually I'll put in for an investment like mm. 10 to 20 K. And so we partner up, we invest in a company and then I, I do my best to ensure that that company really does a good job. I, I do advising for the company to make sure that that, that, you know, the, the CEO is getting their questions answered, or I'm able to help them fill in holes in the market, stuff like that. Yeah. But this guy who I run this with, he wanted to invest in Keon mm. and he's also on the board of Keon. I've got five people on the board of Keon who are, you know, they're, they're smart and savvy in the business world. They've built big companies. They 
um, they're, they're savvy at raising money, those type of things. So 100000 is how much I've taken on, but that was just in the past few months, and that was primarily for the bar. Like we, the bar was just so popular, we, we had to get more bars in stock and and just didn't have the amount of cash flow mm-hmm. necessary to buy enough raw ingredients and product to right. actually make that happen. So that's all that we've taken on. Everything else I personally financed. I mean, I I literally financed everything um, myself. No, and are you are you in the green? Or are you still working back to be even for how much you've invested in it? Uh, we are. We're in the green. Um, Wow, I, less than I a year. Am, yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. We are, uh, from from what my CFO told me uh, about, and this, this was when we were about nine months in, we were at the same growth curve of what he sees in companies that have been around for three years. So I think a big part of that was I just kind of had a platform. It's not like we were a traditional startup. Right. I had a bit, you know, I have 100,000 people on my email list right. and we have a lot of podcast downloads. And, and so going into the launch of Keon, we had pretty good traction to start with. And then frankly, you know, and this is what I tell a lot of people in, in the fitness industry who are just getting started, uh, you know, fledgling personal trainers or people who want to start a supplements company. Uh, or, or people who want to be like a, a nutritionist or an author or whatever, relationship capital is huge. Oh my gosh, that's everything. I, I mean, that's like, old business. That's yeah. old business knowledge. Never changed. Yep. Going out, you know, like the book "Never Eat Alone" by Keith Ferrazzi, right? Going out to conferences, boots on the ground, you know, flesh and blood interaction, talking to people in the back hallways, uh, having a glass of wine at the bar. You know, and and really, you know, almost just like working the industry in terms of relationships and in terms of Rolodexes, and probably half my Rolodex is, you know, hey, what which which bar are we going to go to after this? Let's meet up. Oh, hey, what's your number? You know, and and you put the number in the phone, but then maybe a month later you're actually doing business. You know, you're not, you're not drinking, yeah. uh, and I not not I don't want to sound like a lush. You, know, <laughs> you guys know me. I That's kind of how we met, though. We we yeah, met the first right. time. Yeah. I think we hung out. We, we hung out over a Moscow Mule. Yeah. Exactly, but it's it relationship capital. A lot of people. People think it's like cold call emails and no. you know virtual masterminds or that, asking people for favors right away. Right. You got to build that relationship first, right? Exactly. You want you want to go out and throw down a good workout with somebody at the gym, or, or go out to the bar after a conference, or just like you know skip a bunch of talks when you're out at some right. friendly hand jobs and hang out in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, and I'll so back road, that's yeah. a big part of Keon too. Is is I literally have a spreadsheet that that's essentially like a virtual Rolodex with the names of over 300 influencers, most of whom you'd probably be familiar with their names in the fitness industry, but it's their number, their address to receive right. free product, their their phone number. So if my COO emails me and tells me, hey, you should text so-and-so and let them know if they want to send out a quick tweet about this bar launch. You know, so that kind of relationship capital is is huge. It's, it's how you grow exponentially. Was that part hard for you or was that easy for you, that, that part of the business? Just knowing you, you're, I think you're a personable individual. But knowing how you grew up, and we've hung out so many times, you know, you were you, you did a lot Just of things. Say on, it, I'm socially awkward. Well, <laughs> he's like, he's all nice yeah. about it, right there. <laughs> Just yeah. fucking say it, bro. I've already yeah. admitted yeah. it. <laughs> well, I don't think you are, but then again, I may be. So who knows? But but uh, was that a hard part for you? Was that something you had to develop, or was that easy? 
it is not hard for me to talk to people. It's harder for me to ask for favors. Like I don't like to feel like yeah. I owe people something. And and frankly, you you do. I mean, like if I call in a favor for somebody, then I I know that that down the road, you know, I'm gonna be, you know, the the way you know the the industry term is like mailing out for them or you know returning the favor by featuring you know something they <laughs> they they send me in a in a tweet or an Instagram. <laughs> like there's there's some of that that goes around now. Now, granted, for people listening in who think that this is all just folks buying each other off and bribing, that that's not what we're talking about. No. What we're talking about is products that are amazing that you like and you getting the word out to people about high quality, you know, ethical products, but using other people's channels to do so because you're friends with those other people because you've made smart business moves to develop relationships. Well, here's the bottom line. If you're, if you're Ben Greenfield, people are probably throwing ideas at you all the time, every day, yeah. all the time. And at that point, when you're getting that much stuff thrown at, you just don't listen. You don't listen to anybody. So making relationships becomes important because someone gets to know you, they like you, and then they'll listen. Okay, well, let me hear what you have to say. At that point now, you still have to have a good idea. You still have to have a good product. The person still has to believe in what you're doing for them to you know, want to connect and, and promote your, your thing. But that relationship is what opens the door. And if you don't open the door, then especially with influencers, good luck. They're not going to listen to you. Which, by the way, I'm going to put you majorly on the spot because, I, uh -oh. <laughs> yes, Brianna told me to remember to ask this and we're talking about Keon. For the event, we want to be able to have cups of coffee being brewed the entire the, the time. The pod hard event in Tahoe. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So if you could be the coffee that is supplied to all the all the podcasters that will be podcasting, I would love that. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. I, I would love that too. Okay. Oh, and, I, and, and of course, the way I run my business is is I then say, I don't know. Here's my partner's team. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I, ruth, I ruthlessly guard my time. So, and, yeah. and I do and, the same and, thing. And right? I, I respect that. You guys do a good job at this too. For example, when we wanted to schedule this podcast that we're recording right now, you know, I texted you guys and told you I was going to be in, in you know San Jose, et cetera, et cetera. You mm -hmm. want to you want to sit down and do an episode. Uh, but I think I got maybe like one text back from you guys and, 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 you know, after texting all three of you and it was something like, yeah, Katrina will be in touch or, or something like that. And then I pretty much don't hear anything for, for a while, <laughs> but, but then I do the same thing on my end. Right. So I have an assistant, I, right. I have an executive assistant named Penny on my end. And, you know, she just sends me the Excel spreadsheet two days before I fly out. And it's like, and I look at it and it's like, oh, okay. I have a podcast with mind pump on, on Friday mm -hmm. at two thirty, And uh, honestly, some people think that it that that would be stressful to kind of like be in the dark about what's going on behind the scenes with your way own, less stressful. with your own schedule. But yeah. oh my gosh, like yeah. even even having something as simple as a virtual assistant in the in the Philippines, you know, which which was the first. I, said, I put a Craigslist on Manila, oh, that's really? Manila Philippines Craigslist ad back when I was I was trying to write and create my first ever triathlon product, right? And I, I needed this Excel spreadsheet created. For How all, old are you? How old are you? All, this would have been uh, 10 years ago. So I was 27 and I wanted a list of all the different triathlon clubs and triathlon coaches in the USA, along with the email addresses and phone numbers so that I could email them and offer them affiliate percentages of any sales that they generated from the triathlon training product that I created. But I knew that would be incredibly laborious for me. And I'm trying to write out these workouts and training plans and periodize everything. Like I'm trying to do what I do best. Right. And what I do best is not research people's contact information 
and then right. you know, like one by one, insert the first name and send out the email to them and all. So I hired this. Your time's this, better spent yeah, other places. Right. I hired this gal from the Philippines to do it, and, and you know, and since then, you know, over the past ten years, I have rinsed, washed, and repeated based on Gary Keller's book. You can get for free on Amazon, you know, one thing. You know, you want to crush it at your one thing. That's right. And if there's any one thing that you also want to crush it at that you're not good at, you find an amazing person, you hire them, you add them to your team, and you have them crush it, their one thing, and you rinse, wash, and repeat that. And, I mean, that that's how I've built my entire company. To, to your point of the relationships, I mean, we have somebody. I saw this opportunity in the podcast space when we first really started taking on sponsors because we're just now starting to see this flux of companies that are coming into the podcast space and and starting like big companies dropping money now on podcasts and they really don't understand how it works. No one has any really good systems back and forth. So we actually have a position. This is what Rachel does for our company. And that's all she does is manage these relationships and we're making it so much easier for the sponsors. And on top of that, she's she's coached by us or by me to touch these all these sponsorships on a regular basis to let them know what's going on with their company and making sure that anything that they need or if they are rolling out something new with their business that we're being informed so that we can communicate it. And I just didn't see a lot of uh, people doing that. And because of that, uh, we're like one of the highest performing podcasts for every one of our sponsors because we go that extra mile. And so that really pays off that, 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 understanding how important that relationship is in all aspects of the business. Amazing. You know, what you need to do next though, is get like ass cheek implants and start your own separate Instagram account where it's pretty much you with the, with the featured sponsored product <laughs> oh, yeah. in, oh, a, yeah. in a bikini by the edge of the pool. That's just, sure. I guess if you're a guy, it can be I do. Ca- Justin doesn't need the implants. Calf yeah. implants. People, you know. people don't realize how much those Instagram girls make, like just feature a product. I mean, I think they're doing like five to 10. Oh, K we paid pop. one of them one time. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You know what though? They have to have so many to make that much they don't money have that big of an and it's not a sustainable yeah. business model. Yeah. I tell people this all the time. Like if you're chasing likes and followers in hopes that you're going to build a business and you, and you're chasing that so hard, you don't even really have a great product or you're not providing them a, a lot of value to someone's life. Even if you do cash out because you get to 2 million and then you start flipping t-shirts or 20% right. commission on supplements. And then the question becomes, what are you going to be proud of? Right. right. And, and uh, <laughs> so, so Ryan holiday, uh, author of ego is the enemy he has this other book. He followed it up with, and now I'm embarrassed. Obstacles away. Yeah. No, not obstacle is the way. Another book about writing a really good book, like writing your classic, writing your masterpiece, writing something you'd be proud of. I forget it. Uh, maybe, maybe it must maybe be his newest Dr. one. Then is that his newest one? It's a Ryan Holiday. Maybe it's a Ryan Holiday article, but I'm, I could have sworn it's it's an actual book. Because I was only familiar with Oscar's way and the ego is the enemy. Yeah, well, we'll 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 find out. Um, uh, Stephen Pressfield has has some very similar ideas, you know, in his books like the the War of Art, you know, about creating a masterpiece, something you're going to be really proud of. You know, for me. This is my 100% focus on this book I'm working on right now. I've, mm. I've turned down publishers. I've turned down agents, people who want to get this thing to big New York publishing houses because I know that the kind of huge, life-changing, last book you'll ever need for health kind of book that I want to write is – Something that you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's it's not going to be like that popular book that that that's going to be potentially something you see in airport bookstores. But I want to create something, not only with Keon but also with my books that I can stand by and be very proud of. And if you build your entire business around some Instagram account where you're featuring products and getting paid five k for you know whatever, a 
that's it's difficult to be proud of that as a life changing business. And B, what are you going to do when you're you know seventy years old and wrinkled? Oh. I don't think you're it's an empty. Well, I also don't, I also don't think it's going to last very long. I don't think it's going to be. I think it's popular right now because it's so fresh and so new, perennial and it works. Oh, perennial seller. Perennial seller. Yeah. Sorry, Adam. No, no, no. All good. I, I wanted to know what it was. Anyways, yeah, perennial seller. Yeah, and the, yeah 2017. Oh, uh, it's a, it's a newer one. There's okay, also cool. a big. There's also a massive, massive risk uh, in terms of your own sanity when you so strongly identify with your appearance and how you look and how sexy you are, because at some point that's going to change. At some point you're going to age, like you said. And I know you make the joke. What are you going to do when you're 70? You know, here's all the evidence you need. Look at look at all these celebrities who are reaching their 40s, 50s, and 60s, the amount of plastic surgery and the Botox and the drug abuse and things that start to happen because you identify so strongly with your appearance and people love you for it, but then it goes away and then what? Who yeah. are you and what are you? Yeah, the, it is a very scary place to be. The but, fastest triathlete on the face of the planet is going to have joint degradation. Some point. Swimsuit mm-hmm. Illustrated cover model is is going to, according to pop culture standards, probably look like shit when she's 85, at least with her clothes off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and even, the, even the CEO who's ultra successful, which is kind of a different form of uh, almost like a – you know, a, a potentially shallow thing that you could put too much trust in, mm-hmm. you know, eventually that money's going to be gone and they're going to be laying on their deathbed, mm-hmm. you know, or, or that money isn't going to be as important. And so I, I think even deeper than this, even deeper than building a business is just you yourself, right? Building you rather than just focusing on the body or just focusing on biohacking the brain, actually focusing now, on, in, your, in on, defense your, of on people, your spirit, on In your defense of people, though, that haven't reached the level of success that you're at right now. Much of them are in a different state right now where they're it's survival still to, to make yeah. a, a level of income just to get by in this world and to make it and to be able to eat and do whatever they need to do. Like, right. you know, but, when you, but you see very few people on their deathbed, uh, you know, saying, I, I wish I'd made more money. Of I course. I more time in my business. They never I say wish that. I had more time with family. I wish I had slowed down to smell the roses. I wish I had, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you, you hear people talking about like meditation and visualization, all these things that we never remember to do until we slow down. And those are the things that you regret not doing right. later on in life. And those are all the spiritual practices, right? What, what are the spiritual practices? Fasting, gratitude, meditation, belief in a higher power, some kind of, of devotional, you know, reading or something that betters your soul or your spirit. The website, uh, The Art of Manliness, which is a great website. They have a, you know, shout out to uh, Brett McKay, who runs that website. They have a really good series on the spiritual disciplines. And it, it's... And it's, many of them revolve around some form of uh, abstaining or abstinence in something. Yes, so whether yes, you, they're very stoic. That's right. Either you abstain from food or from sex or from electronics or from something, you find that there's a lot of, uh, a lot of growth because whatever you have trouble abstaining from is probably something you're using to distract yourself with. Right. And so there's a lot, there's a lot that comes from that. And then we look at, at the actual effect that that does have biologically, Right, we know that we don't have to kick this horse to death, but you know, fasting has a profound impact Huge. on mitochondrial health and on longevity and on you know that BDNF that we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier. We know that meditation decreases you know, plasma and salivary cortisol, and also can increase BDNF. Um, you know, a, a gratitude practice lowers blood pressure and reduces hospital visits. I mean, it's it's amazing how much of this stuff has biological crossover for people who actually 
are still mostly interested in their body and their health and maybe aren't even that interested in, in their spirits. Yeah, it's that funny. It still has an impact. I was talking to uh, to somebody who I know who's in the fitness space, very much into fitness, understands abstaining from certain foods to maintain their health and fitness and all that stuff. But then they also have this opposite belief that, or what seems to be, what in my view, opposite where, oh, you know, uh, I'm here to enjoy things, so I'm just going to sleep with as many people as I can, and I'm going to do all these different things. And I, it was funny to me that they couldn't, they didn't see that they were opposing. So I told them, I said, you know, I, I think you might find more meaning if you abstain from so much of that. And he's like, no, we're supposed to be here to enjoy things, and we're just, we're monkeys, yeah. we're pleasure monkeys, also whatever. And I said, listen, I said, it's yeah, no but- different. I said, it's no different than why you abstain from processed food. You do that because you notice it's better for your health. Um, and you obviously get more benefit worth more than the uh, immediate pleasure of eating the you know, hyper palatable it's, food. It's delayed gratification. And that's, we talked about this a little bit on our last episode. We did. The yeah. whole Chris Ryan sex at dawn thing. Yeah. And I mean, it is fucking hard to do that. I walked through the lobby of Rosewood Sand Hill last night. You know, Thursday night, a bunch of rich stockbrokers hanging out in there. Beautiful women everywhere, right? And I'm walking through after dinner at eight thirty, and you know, I'm I'm gorgeous. I'm, I'm dressed to the nines. <laughs> and you're I've gorgeous. Got, I've got my. I can see it right now. I've got my cologne on. My hair yeah. is slicked back. I'm not wearing my blue light blocking glasses. Maybe you're feeling. I mean, I, yeah. I could have walked out within about ten minutes with one or two beautiful women on my arms, and. Uh, and when I'm in that situation, I'm walking through that lobby, it is fucking hard for me. And I have to remind myself that what I have decided, the option that I have chosen is to build an amazing family, to raise two young boys who are going to grow up to make this world a better mm-hmm. place, to have a legacy that I create that I know could get really fucked up if I'm sleeping around and, and if and, and if I've got, you know, whatever, you know, a jealousy and, and sure. my, my wife is all of a sudden embittered and feels belittled and betrayed. Like there's a ton that you throw out the window for that temporary pleasure. And, and you know, it. It feels good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that that, that kind of shit is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But you know, I to to bring this down to even more, um, just just like more specific terms for people. I have a book on my bedstand, and it's amazing. And it's it's one of the most incredible ways for me to continually remind myself about the importance and the magic of love and legacy and fidelity. And it's this book. That is, uh, it's, it's thick. It's like 500 pages long. It's all the love letters between Winston Churchill and his wife. Oh, wow. They wrote themselves letters almost every day. And Winston traveled a ton. And his wife was really busy too. And they didn't see each other a lot. And they were on the road a lot, you mm-hmm. know, like the kind of like the modern traveling salesman kind of thing, except he was mm-hmm. a politician, an orator, and a, you know, and a warrior. And he would write these beautiful love letters to his wife. And she would write letters back. And and you see pictures of them holding hands. You know, power couple, change the world. You know, amazing legacy, amazing family and children that they created. But they were true to each other, right? And and for me to just be at home and, and sometimes I'll thumb through that book before I head off on a trip where I know I'm going to have beautiful women thrown at me and I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna be in that situation where all of a sudden that that temporary gratification seems super super interesting. And really fun compared to leaving legacy and love. Right. And I think I think a lot of people, you know, they think the only consequences that occur from and we're we're focusing on, you know, sleeping around, but this this is for anything. This is for anything 
in life that you, you know, becomes excessive. We think that, you know, you, some people may think, oh, the consequences are my wife is going to find out and I'm going to get divorced. Therefore, I'm not going to do this. That's not the only consequence. Even if you didn't have those kinds of consequences, there is a lot of growth that comes from understanding how to abstain uh, from, you know, in, indulging in all these types of senses. It's what's, it's what makes us human. It's why we're not animals. Right. And, and, you know, we, we, we talk about the gift of consciousness. Well, you know, part of the gift of, of consciousness is knowing, you know, to not do those things, or at least knowing that there's benefit to not doing those things. And like fasting, there's this, and we use, I'll use the word spiritual for lack of a better term. There's a, there's a lot of return from that kind of stuff. And does it make yeah. it easy? In fact, the fact that it's hard is one of the reasons why you get so much out of it. Because if it was yeah. easy, then it would it probably wouldn't get much out of it. Which hey, we yeah, have. I mean, it, it, oh, sorry. <laughs> one quick thing. Turns out our friend Aubrey Marcus, who disagree with about ninety nine percent of what I just said, uh, says about food though. You know, it's temporary mouth pleasure, right? Yeah. You're, you're you're getting temporary mouth pleasure, but the long term is you know a whole bunch of ATP available to the mitochondria, so you get free radical leakage sure. and you know increased longevity and oxidation and all these things that come along with, you know, punishing the pint of Ben and Jerry's, mm. not Halo Top. But, uh, <laughs> um, sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, I already forgot my thought because now you got me thinking about what how Aubrey would disagree with half of what we're saying. Right <laughs> yeah. <now>. yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, th- I, think I have we, something I want to uh-huh. ask you that's, that was uh, more related to, I know that a lot of your your morals probably come back from, from the Bible, right? I, I believe that it sounds like a lot of what you talk about. And I'm really curious with someone of your level of intelligence, when you, when you learn something new about science, do you tend to go backtrack it into the Bible or do you read something in the Bible and then try and look for scientific stuff to support some of the lessons in it? Mm, that's it, that's tricky. I mean, I, I'll give you an example and it, it might not be a, a great example, but I'm going to give it. You see one of the very first things created in the Bible was light, right? Like light is a big one. Light is super important. It was mm-hmm. like one of like it wasn't trees that were made first. It wasn't like dirt that was made first. It wasn't even a human being that was made first. It was light. Right. And then we turn around and we look at the human body and we've always thought that the primary way with which cells communicate is neurotransmitters or hormones or the propagation of neurotransmission across the myelin sheaths. And it turns out that the primary way with which cells communicate is biophotonic signaling. Right. We are literally light machines. That, that's how our cells actually communicate. It's also so one of the ways that our body, yeah, that our body responds profoundly. As you guys know, you guys have talked to the folks at Juve, you know, mm-hmm. infrared light and near infrared light and far infrared light and the effect that that has on the aqueous matrix around the cells, the effect that that has on, on the body, which is basically one big human battery. Well, when I see that type of signaling, then I look at the Bible and I see like one of the first things made was light. It just basically makes me think, well, on the totem pole of what I should really prioritize from a health standpoint, I should probably be thinking really damn hard about the light in my home and the light in my office and the light that I surround myself mm-hmm. with when I'm traveling and, you know, <laughs> whether or not I'm going to put those blue light blocking glasses on, you know, and I've replaced <laughs> all the lighting in my home with clear incandescent and red incandescent and, you know, created the perfect lighting scenario there and get out in the sunlight every day. I don't. I realize that doesn't directly answer your question, but in many cases, I'll find something interesting and then almost like wonder in the Bible whether that's backed up. Then there's the there's the nutrition piece too, where like there's a reason I'm not paleo. 
you look at the Bible, there's like honey and milk and <laughs> bread and, and and all these things that are either vilified in our modern dogmatic, you know, calorie restriction, no fructose, you know, type of type of environment, um, you know, things that are kicked under the bus. But but, you know, we see these type of things in the Bible, right? Like when you're when you're rich and you're wealthy and you're crushing it in life and you're spiritually sound in the Bible, you're surrounded by honey and bread <laughs> and milk and dancing virgins, you know, <laughs> everything else. but yeah, it's, it's very interesting how I, I think to a certain extent and then coming full circle to the, the, where we started with cannabis and, and, and plants and St. John's wort what was the very first job that humans had in the Bible. They were gardeners. That's right. Right. The very, very first man, Adam, he was called to garden the earth Mm -hmm. and till the earth and take all those plants and all those trees. And it says everything was good. Right. It's not like weed is not bad. And St. John's wort is not bad. And psilocybin mushrooms are not bad. You know, all of these things were created for our enjoyment and for us to actually learn how to garden and how to potentially make extracts of Mm -hmm. and tinctures of. And, and so, yeah, I think there's a lot that we can learn from that. Book. Well, here, here's my here's my. T- <laughs> I'm laughing. Adam's trying to open. <laughs> when they became carpenters, he's trying this to open like, the Moxie's Mints THC. Bro, are you kidding me? This, it's it's probably worth, found them. It's we worth it those. once you get in. And, Use your and teeth. Here, here's a few things about those those THC mints you're trying to open. Yeah. Not only is it worth it because they put like ginkgo biloba. Doug, can you help me get scissors or something over there? Ginseng and all sorts of little herbs in with the THC. But because they're packaged so much like that, uh, you, you can't smell them if you're traveling with them. You know, yeah, well, it's in like a super out, vacuum sealed bag. Sniffed out by dogs. What are they? They're five milligrams. And Is also, my kids yeah. aren't going to open that tin and think it's Altoids. That's and, right. And oh, toss yeah. three in that's their right. mouth. You know, yeah. that's a that's the, that's, that's the big one. That's a concern. Yeah. My 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 take on the whole like science and, and the Bible or spirituality is that there's you know there's there's objective scientific truth and I think there's I there's spiritual truth and I and I think they're just two different tools and you try to put them together. I think all those tools help explain life and help us move in a, in a well, direction. Well, before that we had science, that's where that was science. Well, Religion it, was science well, before it, science. I, right? think, I think it was. I think it was spirituality. I think science is its own thing and it does a very good job of what it's supposed to do. But here's a great example. I'll give you a great example. Sci- when you when people say um, we should just only have science and have no, don't worry about objective, you know, uh, like a moral code or don't have spirituality, mm-hmm. you can't do that because science itself eliminates that science is is only cause and effect there is no is this right is this wrong so you need both of them if just if scientists ruled the world and it was just a bunch of atheist scientists who didn't have any moral belief or anything based on anything that they learned they would do a lot of tests and do a lot of shit just because they could because yeah. that's what science tells you to do there wouldn't be a well, there's no need for morals yeah there, right? there wouldn't be like hey i'm gonna clone a bunch of humans there, there wouldn't be someone saying but should we? You know what I mean? Right. I don't know if we should. We would just do it. Right. You we, know? we have some kind of built-in inherent morality that I think that sometimes science denies. But I do think that all of us kind of know what's good and what's bad. Like, despite science potentially arguing that, you know, we're all just here to survive on a giant rock floating through space to either, you know, mm-hmm. fuck or survive or see who can live the longest time. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a there's a little bit of a built-in inherent morality that lends some amount of stability to culture, and th- and I actually first came across this. I think it's the teachings of Aristotle, in which he goes into like like a, a built-in inherent morality. You know, one of these one of these old philosopher dudes. I don't remember. Mm. Uh, I I went to a classical Christian college 
for my first two years at University of Idaho, I was duly enrolled mm. in a college called New St. Andrews, wonderful institution down in Moscow, Idaho for a liberal arts education. Uh, I got kicked out for breaking the, the code of conduct. What'd you do? Multiple times. I had pretty much everything that I could do to break. The, I mean, <laughs> were you intentionally <laughs> trying to get kicked out? I was just, I was, I, I, bored. you know what? I was a homeschool kid K through 12. And once I got cut loose and into college, I had committed every sin I could commit, you know? And, and oh, really? Yeah. So yeah, you I mean, were, you I, were a little I rebel. Off, I went off the deep end in college for a while until my, I met my wife. A little bit sheltered. You know, I, I, A, met my wife and B, decided I want to be a doctor. Hmm. Those are the two things that straightened me out. But, yeah, but but for those first couple of years, I did go to this college and I learned a lot. And you know, one of the things that you read are a bunch of these. these like, what are we talking about? Like upside down keg stands and run around naked. It, you know, like, what are you we're, doing? Yeah, we're yeah. talking about you know, go, like getting drunk frequently, okay. um, sleeping around a lot. Okay. Uh, um, I didn't use a lot of drugs aside from alcohol. Yeah. Uh, so so that was an issue for me. Frankly, I I got I got into drugs and those got me out of alcohol. So normal normal <laughs> college kid stuff, just not at a Bible college. Normal college College kid stuff, but the stuff that would very quickly get you kicked out of a Bible college where, as my mom said, who also went to a Bible college, you can't have holes in the knees of your swimsuit, ladies. So, uh, you know, it, and, and, you know, not, nothing against that college. Yeah, I think it's wonderful. And, and frankly, I think, you know, if you want to be a lawyer or an author, I think liberal arts education is, is great. But I didn't do well at that school because I was, I was not living a very upright life at the time. But one of the things that I learned at that school was that human beings do have and, and uh, philosophers and and you know teachers have have kind of built this into a lot of religious systems for a long period of time. We have like this inherent built-in morality. Hmm. So Ben, tell me when you're when you're hanging out with Aubrey, and you guys couldn't have more polar opposite ideas when we what we were talking about before. Do you just bite your tongue, or do you guys go back and have like a debate about it? Probably like, just appre- appreciate uh, each other for whatever. Um, honestly, Aubrey and I have never talked about open relationships. Or I mean, oh, really? You know, I've, I've I've hung out with him and um uh uh Whitney uh, several sorry, times. Sorry, Whitney. I yeah. uh, hung, hung out with him and Whitney. You know, a lot. We've gone hunting for a week together. You know, in, in Hawaii, in you were together. And, been down you know, in Texas multiple and, times. Yeah, and uh, you know, we've got another hunting trip coming up with a group of us. You know, again down in Hawaii, and you know, we hang out a lot, but. Uh, that's it's never something we've really even talked about. I mean, maybe part of it is it, is it's pretty obvious with me as you know a, a father and a, 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 a extroverted as a devoted husband that you know it's just kind of not really something that that is is on the table for me. Mm. But no, we've never really had a discussion. It's about probably it. like a mutual. Respect I know, kind of a boring that. answer, but we've never yeah. really talked. No, about no, it. I was just curious. We tried it once. I just, yeah. I actually <laughs> figured that it would come up. I, I imagine yeah. that because you have done multiple trips, right. I thought for sure you'd be put in opportunities like that and maybe have to have a discussion. You never know. Like I thought yeah. for sure you guys have at least yeah. discussed it. Like yeah. parties we weren't invited to. You know those kinds yeah. of things. Never, <laughs> never. Did we not invite you to a party? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's just you, Justin. These crazy parties, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, that's all. So you, when you did text us me. that you'd be in the area, it's because you have uh, clients that you travel to and, and work with, and these are, uh, I guess, uh, executives like you know, people who really want to work with Ben Greenfield. What kinds of things do people hire you for? Because I can assume, and you don't have to say anything on air, but I'm assuming you don't cost what a personal trainer would charge. You probably. A very very high fee, especially because you're flying from from you know Washington to you know San Jose to work with someone or wherever. 
What are they? What are they hiring you for? Exactly? Yeah, are you just doing squats for an hour. I know that's not. Uh, I usually like learn how to make scrambled eggs. That's a big one because <laughs> you need your protein for breakfast. Yeah. Uh, do a lot of bench pressing. Work on the chesticles. It's sometimes a bench pressing form. Uh, and then how to sit in a sauna properly. Uh, like like pro- proper sauna deal. culture. Bad liar. And, and Bad sauna liar. posture. Yeah. Uh, no, typically there are, especially among uh, wealthy, high achieving, hard charging executives, some pretty serious built in issues with specifically sleep, uh, how to exercise and keep yourself in shape for things like golf or tennis without actually stripping away time for your business or in some mm. cases your your family or other hobbies. Um, alcohol mitigate like like how how do I you know how do I go out to all these you know dinners and meetings and and mitigate the damaging effects that alcohol might have mm. like and, and a lot of times folks will just want to pick my brain about what I do in those type of scenarios. Uh, blood and bio work or biomarker interpretation is a big one. A lot of these folks are willing to or have already paid the money for a complete blood panel, uh, gut panel, uh, some type of urinary hormone analysis, uh, salivary genetic analysis, uh, you know, telomere evaluation, and they've already either started down the self-quantification road or are very interested in it, and they wow. want somebody other than their kind of like ho-hum Western medical trained physician who's mm-hmm. going to tell them, oh, your you know, cholesterol's high, get on statin to actually go through their blood work and their biomarkers with them hmm. and not only help them interpret those, but help them set up a customized diet and a supplement plan. So what I do for all these clients is I sit down every week to every two weeks, typically on a Saturday, and I write out every workout they're going to be doing. They upload their travel. They upload where they're flying and when. I program out everything they're supposed to be doing from an exercise standpoint. They pay me a monthly fee to do that. They all have an Instagram account that's a private Instagram account that they share with me where they take photographs of everything that they eat. And same thing. On the weekends, I go through all their food. I leave comments. I adjust anything that needs to be adjusted. I have a meal plan that I deliver to them that's not – it's not a very strict meal plan. It's it's basically like okay, so it's probably on, used based, based made to your, optimize their based what they on need your blood, right. your body. Like yeah. here are your breakfast options, here are your lunch options, here are your dinner options for home for travel. A lot of them have chefs, a lot of them have nutritionists. So these are the type of things that they share with their chef or their nutritionist, so that mm. they can be eating according to their genetics, their blood, their biomarkers, etc. And then most of them either wear something like the Aura Ring or use some other self quantification device. Some of them use an Apple Watch. You know, most of the time. I, I, I go through air, light, water, electricity. If I'm visiting their home, we do a full walk through their home environment. And mm. by the time we've done that, most of them aren't using these, these Wi-Fi enabled self-quantification devices like the Apple Watch. But some of them still have some of these, some of these older devices. But either way, whatever they're using to collect sleep and heart rate variability, I also analyze that each week and track how their sleep and their heart rate variability is corresponding to nutrition, to supplements, which I also set up, customized, and then exercise. So I'm essentially acting as, as the CEO of their health, and I'm either coaching people like that mm. or I'm doing one-on-one a la carte consultations where it's just I'm not going to have you as my month-to-month coach, Ben, but you're going to work with me for – you know, 60 minutes or 90 minutes, I'm going to fly in and have lunch with you and just pick your brain for an hour. Well, and now, I, want, I want to follow that up too, because you also do consulting with like professional teams. And was it the, the NBA Heat uh, that you went in and kind of went through their facility and set them up? Uh, right. Yeah. So what, what, we, like? what we did with the Miami Heat, for example, was we began to inspect some of those variables I just alluded to. Like what's the air lighting? We know the indoor uh, gym pollution. There was actually a study that just came out that showed the amount of cognitive impairment that occurs from air pollution. 
inflation. How and much? What did it say? Do you remember? It's significant. Really? I don't know the percentages, okay. but it's significant. And so we've got these these HEPA air filters, these molecule air filters set up in different corners of the gym. Same thing with light, right? Like we're going with a more biologically friendly light. Frankly, uh, incandescent lighting and these old school clear incandescent bulbs are not an option for a facility like that. But there's a company called uh, Walla that does more of like a biologically friendly LED, very similar to lighting science. And even though LED creates a lot of flicker, which can be disruptive to the retina and can deleteriously affect circadian rhythm. If the lighting is pretty high off the ground, you know, like, like your guys' studio is a pretty high ceiling. We're not talking about like a bedside lamp that's right in your face. LED is not as big of an issue. It's kind of like a Wi-Fi router, right? Like the damage mm-hmm. that it causes really is exponentially decreased based on your distance from the router. Mm-hmm. So the worst place on the planet to have your router is in your bedroom. For mm-hmm. a team like that, we don't want Wi-Fi routers in the gym. Same thing with the water, right? Like we get rid of the water fountain where they're getting whatever you know fluoride and chlorine that the Miami municipal water has in it. And instead they're drinking, uh, what they're doing at their facility is hydrogen rich water which is a, a pretty potent anti-inflammatory and, and antioxidant water. Um, you can go to the Molecular Hydrogen Foundation, look at some of the research mm. on that. And then electricity, uh, you know, uh, customization of nutrition and diet based on blood work and biomarkers. So a lot of the things that go above what you – know, there are a lot of strength conditioning coaches out there who are miles ahead of me as yeah. far as their knowledge of – of it's fascinating to see and, what's happening in modern high speed yeah. video. You know, I used to I used to run a physiology lab and a biomechanics lab where we'd surround triathletes running on a treadmill or riding their bike with high speed video cameras and do a gait analysis or a mm-hmm. bike fit. But now, I mean, you freaking step into a pod and you do a squat and then you do an overhead press and and rather than a trainer putting you through an FMS, like the actual machine is doing it. Oh wow! I mean, some of this technology, like, <laughs> That's like awesome. you know, there's stuff at facilities like this I was unaware that even existed. Wow. But what I'm doing is going in and looking at all those little variables that are going to affect a player's you're like an interpreter long-term career, health career, et cetera, mm-hmm. and and attempting to make those tiny micro adjustments that take a team from good to great or take a player's career from 10 years to 12 years. How, how did that relationship happen? Uh, that's a good question. Is that I, I know Aubrey was connected yeah. to the Heat at one point. Was yeah. it? I don't remember. I think they're coach listens to my podcast this happens a lot someone listens to your podcast uh-huh. and then they try to get a hold of you and, sure and sometimes i'll get texts i don't even know how somebody got my number and you know there's there's some some texts i've gotten where i'm just like Are you kidding me is this a joke and you know a lot of times they've discovered your podcast and, and they're getting a hold of you and asking you something or do you, you know, find that the, these executives a support ticket on your website do you find that these executives and stuff you work with hire you because they want to perform better to outcompete their competition or are they hiring you because they're having health problems and issues like is it a phone call like oh it's because they can't get an erection they can't sleep and they, wow, they feel really? like they feel like crap after these these multiple wine fueled dinners and they they travel to to Tokyo or to Miami to to do business and they feel like shit during all their meetings during the day because they're jet lagged and they don't know what to do to manage jet mm. lag and they fly home and they feel like shit when they're with their family because again they're jet lag coming back to the West Coast. It, all those pain points. Like mm. th- frankly, I mean, as simple as it sounds, I just want to feel good. Mm-hmm. You know. Let's talk about uh, uh, some of the stuff that you're really well known for, which is figuring out how to mitigate. 
the negative effects of things that may happen when you're, let's say, traveling, for example. Mm-hmm. What's what's a great strategy to mitigate jet lag? If, if I'm a business person, I travel and I want right. to you know, reduce the amount of time my body takes to get used to a new time zone or whatever, what are some strategies that I can do? The circadian rhythm, our natural 24-hour biological clock, responds to three primary circadian cues, light, movement, and food. All right, so those are the three lowest hanging fruits when it comes to keeping your body on a regular clock when you travel. So what does this mean? It means that you get exposed to the natural light in wherever, whatever the place is that you've traveled to on that clock as quickly as possible. Okay. Meaning, So if the that, sun's up, be in the light. Meaning if it's not- that when you step off that plane, if it's night, you've got your, not your blue light blocking glasses, but your really, like your red amber glasses, like from, from Raw or from True Dark or from one of these companies that does a really good blue light blocking glass. You walk into your hotel room and, and you pull out like these LED light blocking stickers and you put them over the TV and the router and anything else that's blinking like Christmas lights in the hotel room. And then as soon as it's light where you happen to be, you get yourself into as much sunlight as possible. And if you can't step outside of your hotel room and get out in, in the morning sunshine or go for a quick walk to make your morning calls, whatever, you know, when you're when you're on the West Coast, back to the East Coast, uh, whatever the scenario is, you get as much sunlight as possible. And if you can't get outside because you wake up at 7 a.m. and you got to go straight into that 730 or 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. meeting, you've got the human charger, you know, in your ears and you've got something like the retimer glasses on your eyes and you're using light as much as possible to re-regulate your circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. And you're doing the same thing when you come back home. So okay. light, light's one. Food is another. Uh, the the more you eat on an airplane, the more out of whack your circadian rhythm is oh, going to be. So you should so, fast? Well, on the airplane, we talk about ketone esters, really potent right. anti-inflammatory. The NF-kappa-B pathway is one of the inflammatory pathways that tends to be most affected by by flight, by being off and away from the planet Earth and all the oxidation, solar radiation, et cetera. Two of the best ways to affect that type of inflammation are ketosis and or ketone esters, Mm. meaning that it's best to fast or eat minimally when you travel, and then sulfur-rich antioxidants. So having a a, a lot of uh, your first meal when you get to where you're going, when you are going to eat, which I'll get to in a second, is cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, Mm -hmm. cauliflower. Uh, If you don't have SIBO or something like that, you can handle garlic, onions, you know, a lot of these sulfurous vegetables or sulfur-based antioxidants and ketone esters act similarly. So that would be the next thing is Mm -hmm. you want to be sure you're not stuffing face on the airplane. And what, what I do is typically I'll have like some algae, like some of these little spirulina or chlorella tablets. This would be for a longer flight, right? Not for like a two-hour gig, but like like overseas. Sure. Um, something that, that's a relatively slow-release fuel, like macadamia nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, a liquid or a powder-based ketone ester, like a... You know, one of the one of the keto prime meal packets, or one of one of the human little bottles of ketone esters, something that's going to keep ketones elevated, and then a lot of gum, a lot of stevia, uh, a lot of these little effervescent electrolyte tablets, things I can put into water to kind of keep my appetite satiated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so fasting when you travel, and then when you get to where you're going, whatever time you get there, you wait until that place is first regular meal time to eat. Because it tells so, your it tells your body it's time to get right, up when you start If I arrive in, if my flight lands in Tokyo at 10 a.m., 
Uh, I might be just ready to chew my arm off from having eaten very little on that nine-hour flight, Seattle to Tokyo, but I'm still going to wait until about 12.30 to eat in Tokyo so I get on that regular meal time. Oh, so you wait till for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, you wait for breakfast. So same thing. If you land at 2 a.m. like and, and, you, and till- you get into your hotel room and you're starving, you open that mini bar and there's a dark chocolate and a nut, you, you go to, you know, you take your CBD and, and I take a lot of melatonin when I travel as well because mm-hmm. that's a really good way to reset the circadian rhythm. It is also an anti-inflammatory, a really good anti-inflammatory. You go to bed and then you, you don't fast. You don't skip breakfast. You know, a lot of people on this intermittent fasting bandwagon, when they travel, like it screws up your circadian rhythm to skip breakfast. So one of the things I'll do is I'll actually go out of my way to eat a nice, big, good breakfast, especially when I travel internationally to realign that circadian rhythm. Mm. And then the last one is movement, right? So regularly timed movement. Uh, it, whether you're, you're getting home or whether you've traveled to a certain location is important. So what do I mean by that? You know, if, if you exercise in the morning at 7 a.m. at home, get up at 7 a.m. and work out when you've gotten to where you're going. If at you that work time? In the afternoon, yeah, at, at that time, wherever okay. you happen to be, you want to use movement to begin to get your circadian rhythm into the same alignment that it was back home. And there yep. are other things, too, that help. You know, uh, hot, cold thermogenesis, you know, like doing the, the sauna and the cold pool. That's what I've heard you say before. I was waiting for you to say that because yeah. you've told me before, you you know, a lot of times you'll look for an infrared sauna as soon as you get into a place. Not even just an infrared sauna. What, what I'll do is I'll look for, there's two things I look for when I get into a hotel. I look for the nearest, uh, well, three things. Really. I look for the nearest gym and it's a big bonus if it's got a sauna and a pool. Uh, because water and heat are two things that really help a lot with jet lag. You know, they help with the blood flow. They help with the mitochondria, which are drastically affected again by the elevation and the solar radiation. And then the cold is very helpful too at shutting down inflammation. If uh, the other thing I look for is a park, right? Any any patch of green near whatever hotel I've traveled to, because the park allows you to get out, get the sunshine. It allows you to typically uh, get into your bare feet, which a lot of times you can't do on the concrete, and that allows you to to get the grounding and the earthing effect that can decrease jet lag. And it, you know, if you know of a of a park near your hotel, if your hotel has a crappy gym, you all of a sudden, because I always travel with a resistance band and a suspension trainer, I have a place where I can go to train. I can make my own outdoor gym. Mm. And then the last thing, if the gym doesn't have the sauna or the pool, I'll search for a local spa or a local sauna, you know, like Banya 5 in Seattle or uh, Air Spa in New York City, you know, or one of these places that has some really good heat cold so I can, you know, put on my underwater mp3 player and go and chill in the sauna and then go to the cool pool and, and go back and forth for a while have you ever put this together and like what you just said to us in a easy to read blog or article or guide or something and the reason why i ask is because so many people travel for work so much and they don't yeah. realize how much jet lag negatively affects their performance mm-hmm. and of course in the long term their performance at work and their pocketbook and all that stuff yeah. and then their health like something like that, because I know I I, you know, I have family in Italy, so we traveled to Italy. It would always take me like three or four days to adjust, and it's fucking horrible. And I couldn't mm-hmm. imagine going somewhere and then like you got a meeting tomorrow and you got to perform or right. you know try, whatever. Try, try to fucking do an Ironman triathlon, right? Yeah. Right, like yeah. that. That was how I tapped into a lot of this stuff. Was <laughs> yeah, on a Thursday, it's like, oh shit, I got a race on you know for for ten hours on Saturday, like deep in the pain cave. What can I do to feel good within two days? You know, mm-hmm. when I'm in. Thailand or Japan wow. doing an Ironman. So um, to answer your question, uh, A, there, there's a few resources. A, I have a, a small section of my book, Beyond Training, that has a jet lag and sleep management section mm, okay. in it. Uh, B, 
on my website, I have an article I wrote that's even more updated than that about six months ago called The Last Resource You'll Ever Need to Get Better Sleep. Excellent. And that's just, that's just on my website. Um, number three, or C, did I start off with A and B? <laughs> I hate it when that happens. Yeah. That THC might be kicking in. Okay, so A, B, three is that I have a, a document. So a lot of my clients that I work with, I just have shared Google Docs. And anytime I come across something interesting to add to that doc, I just add it. So they have like my jet lag tips cheat sheet and They'll just delve into that. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, speak of the devil, Aubrey's book, uh, own the day. There's a lot in that on, on jet lag management too. And and Aubrey and I talked a lot when he was writing that book about, you know, what to include in those sections. So that's a, that's a good guy as well. Well, talking about cool stuff. I know when you and I were texting each other a little bit before you came here, I asked you what you wanted to talk about. And you said right now you're getting, you're really, really into anti-aging and longevity. Um, and Halo Top ice cream. Yeah, and Halo Top ice cream. Mm-hmm. Hey, are you rocking the Vioris? Uh, these pants. Are, well, these pants are Viori. Yes. How do you like them? Oh, I love. Viore. Aren't they great, dude? Yeah. The best. We we love them, man. I, I I have a lot of Viori now. They're actually one of my podcast sponsors. No now. way. Oh, shit. When That's did you start working with them? Honestly, even if they weren't a sponsor, I'd wear their clothing because it right? it's, it's it feels good and it's like Lululemon for dudes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't know if Viori likes me to say that, but it's like Lululemon for dudes. Mm-hmm. I think they accept uh, it. And then I'm wearing uh, my special trampoline jumpy socks because I take what my the kids. Hell? The big trampoline park just got built by our house. Yeah, why are you wearing them here? You, you big have to have dork. special socks. I, uh, sometimes you never Good know when you're going way. to encounter a trampoline, but oh. they're actually really comfortable socks. And then I'm wearing Paul Check's underwear. Wait, his like, actually, his, like literally his underwear? Were they pre-worn? Or <laughs> Last like, time I was at about? his house, he had these bamboo underwears. Like these are a little, I think they were a little small because he had a big athletic ass and I got a tiny, <laughs> tiny hips and tiny butt. So he gave me his Paul special- Paul underwear? Yeah, yeah, he gave me a special bam bamboo underwear and- uh I love them. They're super comfortable. So I'm wearing Paul Check's underwear. Not like new underwear, like his actual like used underwear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and Smells Viore. like the universe. And then this shirt, this German guy gave me who's developing a clothing company to block EMF. He gave me pants that block EMF and a shirt. So what I'll do after we podcast, before I get on the flight back home. You'll give me Paul Check's underwear? Is, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Damn I'll it. Pull, I'll pull my, my German EMF blocking pants. This is what I travel with. They even have a clip at the bottom that you can attach to your Uber cars, like anything metal in the car or even in the airplane when you land, to ground or earth right when you land without even needing to get outside barefoot. Oh, my God. The shirt blocks EMF. The pants block EMF. I have EMF blocking underwear, but I probably won't. I'll just keep Paul Check's lucky underwear on for the flight because it's not a super long flight. Do you understand how it is? How important it is for us to keep you alive till 150 years at least? You know that, right? Well, I'm gonna look like an idiot. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Ben Greenfield dies. One of my one of my Nigerian dwarf goats butts me. You know when I'm when I'm we're the only human left. Bro, it'll probably got to keep you alive. Spent thirty thousand dollars a month on his longevity. (laughs) Killed by his goat. Yeah, longevity. Let's talk about that. Longevity. Is there anything new? or interesting or fascinating that you're just learning now about, you know, extending lifespan? Mm. I I would say that we do know about all the overlap between all the blue zones that I think a lot of people are aware of right now, right? It's no smoking, high amount of wild plant intake, which act as a hormetic stressor to the body, uh, high legume intake, not 
I think, because there's anything magical about beans and legumes, but they're eating a low glycemic index carbohydrate the magical rather, fruit. Than, rather than processed starch and sugar. Uh, large amount of outdoor physical activity, low-level outdoor physical activity, uh, not exercising, but just moving, mm -hmm. outdoor gardening, hunting, gathering, whatever. And then uh, a lot of time spent with family, social relationships, you know, family dinners, that type of stuff. So we know a lot of these tried and true things. As far as, as some of the more interesting things I haven't talked about yet, you know, such as ketone esters and, and fasting, um, there are... There are calorie restriction mimetics that are very interesting. That's that, interesting. That trigger the same type of pathways that uh, so the way that it works like resveratrol is if you yeah resveratrol is one yeah. rhodiola is another astragalus may possibly act you know there's this company making this thing called ta65 which uh may act as a calorie restriction mimetic but it may also be acting as just like a mitochondrial support compound so they stimulate like um, cell program death and cell autophagy or no, the way that it works is uh, it very – so when you look at, at cold thermogenesis, very simple example, we know that cold thermogenesis upregulates something called uncoupling proteins. So uncoupling proteins would be what you'd find a higher amount of in brown adipose tissue. When you get exposed to cold, you get a conversion of white fat into metabolically active brown fat, which rather than taking calories – and oxygen to produce ATP instead produces heat. Now, why is that important? Well, because when we look at the electron transport chain in the mitochondria, we know that once you have a certain amount of ATP and ATP is no longer being depleted, what happens is there's almost like a backup in the electron transport chain and free radicals begin to leak out of the membrane hmm. as electrons build up in the chain because they no longer need to be used for conversion into ATP because ATP stores are full. Now, that doesn't mean free radicals are bad because free radicals serve as signaling molecules to tell all of the mitochondria within the cell whether or not they need to downregulate or upregulate how much ATP or how much energy they're producing. Mm -hmm. So it's a very good way to uh, for, for your body to be able to keep track of its metabolic rate. Interesting. But what happens is if you've got too much ATP around, too many free radicals build up, too many spill out into the body, and this is why fasting has such a profound effect for to a certain extent because you deplete ATP and by depleting ATP you have the ability of the electrons to move through the transport chain without getting backed up and having free radical spillage back into the intercellular membrane. And does this mean that then uh Can we get an interpreter in here? Yeah. <laughs> does this mean then that supplementing with uh with creatine um, and just in dramatically increasing ATP stores and keeping them high all the time could potentially have a negative effect from 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 that too, standpoint. Too much of that could. Now, at the same time, we know that ATP is it's, it's a healthy cellular energy compound, and and furthermore, the more ATP that you can get without a large amount of calories and a large amount of digestive distress and some of the oxidation that occurs from breakdown of proteins and carbs and fats is good. This is why some of the best uh, nutrients for 
longevity from an ATP standpoint are creatine and mm-hmm. D-ribose mm-hmm. because D-ribose is a very low glycemic index sugar that rapidly restores ATP availability in mitochondria without excessively producing ATP. Interesting. But as far as on the other end, kind of draining ATP levels or at least causing calories to produce less ATP and to instead produce something like, say, heat. We know that brown fat does a very good job at that because there's a higher amount of these uncoupling proteins that essentially uncouple the little transporter that causes ATP to be produced by a cell and instead simply cause heat to be produced by a cell. Mm. And so some of these things actually increase UCP and they act as calorie restriction mimetics. That's what a calorie restriction mimetic is, is it's, it's basically- Right, now there's yeah, someone's going to sell them as yeah. fat burners, but keep right, going. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so we're, we're talking about things like, like astragalus, like rhodiola. Um, one interesting thing is sea urchins. Sea urchins actually have a very high amount of the molecules that increase your availability of the, or the, or the upregulation of these UCPs. You know, and there's there's some people out there like Dr. Jack Cruz who who kind of gets painted with a you know in in, in a poor light sometimes because he's a little bit controversial and and relatively dogmatic, but he believes that most humans grew up or or humans originated on in, in coastal areas where we had a high availability of shellfish, DHA, sunlight, and really mineral rich water, mm. and so by getting a lot of these things in our diet, we're actually enhancing our health from a very ancestral standpoint. Mm. And you could say that these these sea urchins mm. might fall into that category of supporting mitochondria mm. and the uncoupling protein. It just goes to show and highlight just how complex the body is in the sense that, you know, on the one hand, you want to increase ATP, you want to have a lot of ATP. Study shows, you know, builds more muscle, burns more body fat, it's got cognitive boosting effects, seems to be some uh, antioxidant effects, at least for the heart. Uh, doctors are now prescribing or at least uh, uh, telling people or recommending to take creatine when they have things like anxiety and depression. But on the other hand, it's very important to also encourage a process that depletes ATP, things like exercise, uh, you know, these yep. fasting mimetics. And then, of course, the ultimate, which is fasting. Now, here's something that's fascinating. I want to ask you a question on this. We had a, a, a Stan Efferding on our show the other day. He's a the world's strongest bodybuilder. Really, really cool guy. Fifty years old now, but at one point he had one of the highest bodybuilder strong. Oh, he this guy's very <laughs> oh, strong, dude. Yeah. He's got one of the highest three lift totals. <laughs> the best concentration curl. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> He's also a power lifter. No, so, okay. you know, deadlift oh, yeah, squat. Yeah, okay. yeah, like eight, okay. nine hundred pounds. Oh, very, wow. very yeah, strong. Okay. Dude. Yeah. So, right. and, and you know, we were talking about fasting, and he's like, "No, you know, I'll never fast. I always want to feed my body and feed my athletes." And I told him my own, my own, my personal experience with fasting, which which I thought was fascinating. Now I didn't go into fasting for any kind of performance enhancing benefit. I I employ forty eight or seventy two hour fasts, uh, you know, every other month now or so for things like gut health, longevity, reduction in inflammation. I get a spiritual effect from it in the sense that it clears my mind, helps remove me from food and all these other benefits. May I say but, something real quick? Go. Yeah, for people listening, especially my audience who's listening right now, Sal is not like a skinny ass fasted, like cold, emaciated dude. Like yeah. he's he's yeah. built. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and you. you're still fasting 48, 72 hours and maintaining muscle. Yeah. And in fact, I did, uh, I was doing a 48 to 72 hour fast once a month and I did that for about seven months. And here's the side effect that I got. And I did it for gut health. I did it for all those other things that I mentioned, the spiritual effect, the dis- detaching from food, the low inflammation, longevity, all that stuff. The benefit I noticed, which was fascinating, was about two or three days after I started to refeed. So I, you know, 72 hour fast, then I start to slowly reintroduce food. About two or three days later, some of the best workouts I'd ever had, wow. incredible pumps, and I built more muscle during this entire process. Now, part of me thought, okay, 
Maybe it's because my gut health got so much better. I'm better. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm able to assimilate more food. Well, I've since retested this. And and by the way, I had a similar effect years ago. Years ago, I started employing a once a week vegan day. But really, what it turned into was a once a week 600 calorie like a, like day, like a meatless yeah, Monday kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, and it, but it really was like 600 calories. So it was kind of like this low calorie day. And I always noticed the day after when I'd eat meat, I get like this rebound effect. And bodybuilders have seen this for, I've talked about this for a long time. One of the most anabolic periods you'll ever, that they'll ever experience is post-show after hardcore dieting. So after these long fasts, I refeed two or three days later, I'm building more muscle and I'm wondering if it's, you know, resensitizing me to protein. It's increasing the way I used glycogen and Mm. it's giving me some of this effect that we're talking about where I'm depleting ATP and then I'm giving myself more ATP. Have you ever noticed anything that from, like that from fasting or when you yeah, start refeeding? It, well, it's interesting because the, the human body in general seems to respond very well in terms of whatever, ATP depletion and then ATP restoration or caloric depletion and caloric restoration uh, to the, this idea of cycling, right? We know mm-hmm. this is the basis of, of periodization and that stair-stepping effect to get better fitness. You build, mm-hmm. then you recover, then you build, then you recover. We now know that there are cancer researchers doing what's, what's called press pulse cycling of, I believe it's glutamine, that they're the high glutamine and low glutamine, high glutamine, low glutamine. This for is during reason, cancer treatment? Yeah. Yeah. It's called, it's called I think, huh. I think the, the term for it, and, and I don't know a lot about it. Because okay, I, I know glutamine can feed doing cancer. what's called, yeah, exactly, which is why I think it's glutamine, but it's called press pulse cycling. Interesting. I think Thomas Seafried is, is the guy to look up to, 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 who's looking into a lot of this research on this type of dieting for cancer patients. We see guys like Dr. Dan Pompa who I interviewed on my podcast doing feast famine cycling, right? Five days, low calories, calorie restriction, one day fast, Mm -hmm. one day ad libitum, calorie refeeds, as many calories as you want. Uh, We look at the Bible. (laughs) God built and he worked his ass off for six days. And then on the seventh day, he rested, right? So, so we see, there we go, Adam, I just responded to your question. So, (laughs) so, so yeah, the idea is it seems the body responds very well to hard, I mean, Freaking high intensity interval training, right? Same thing. Like, like yeah, they just thirty seconds hard, four minutes easy. There was a study that came out uh, uh, within the last five years where they compared because the old the old way of approaching dieting, at least from a fat loss standpoint, in our space in the fitness personal training space, was let's figure out your how many calories you're burning, and let's put you at a deficit, and then that's your new calorie intake, and we'll do your macros or whatever. But that's your new calorie intake every single day. So. If your body's burning 2,000 calories a day, I'll put you at 1,500 calories a day, and then this is what you're going to eat every single day. Mm -hmm. And that was the old way of approaching it. Now, through my experience working with clients and doing myself, I always noticed that people got better results from staggering that. So I would still average out to, at the end of the week, a 3,500 calorie deficit, which is what 500 calories a day adds up to, but it wasn't 500 calorie deficit every single day. Some days it was 1,000, some days it was no deficit, some days it was a surplus, and so on, and I saw better results. Part of me thought, you know, I wonder if it's a psychological effect from that, because some days you feel like you're eating more or less or whatever. Well, they did a study, and they actually controlled for that, and they compared two groups of people that ate the same calories, both in a deficit, one group, same deficit every single day, the other group kind of staggered it, and the group that staggered it got better, more fat loss, preserved more muscle, got better results. And here's the best part, mitigated the metabolic adaptation that happens from restricted calorie diets, which is one of the biggest problems that you'll run into, especially uh, for people who compete in bodybuilding and stuff like that, or even people who just diet real hard. 
when you drop your calories, your metabolism adapts downward and becomes very efficient, which we all know is extremely frustrating. You know, you lose 20 pounds and then you're fucked. Your metabolism slowed down. Now you're doing all this cardio. You're eating low calories. And, and it's like you eat anything over that and you, just, you gain all the weight back real quick. Staggering it seems to mitigate that yeah. metabolic adaptation. Now, really, really now fascinating. Do you still, when, you're, when you're fasting like that for that 48 to 72 hour cycle, what do your workouts look like? None, actually. What do I, what do I feel like? No, so what I do during that period is I, I'll, I'll walk or I'll hike, I'll stretch, I'll do mobility work. If I do do resistance training, it's very low intensity, full range of motion. I'm not trying to stress the body anymore. I'm not trying to increase my performance. I'm not trying to get stronger or burn more body fat. Really, I was treating it like a, a like a, a spiritual experience, mm, if you will. It's a different mental space. But it, but when I would come back, mm. I'd get stronger I and felt so much better. Pussy. Really, yeah. <laughs> I'll crush it. Yeah, I still work it every day. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, taking time off from exercise, I think, is important too. But anyhow, it's funny because now I get a text from Stan. And he's like, "I did my first 24-hour fast." So I actually right. was able to convince him to give that a shot, and I think it's because I told him there yeah. may be some muscle building, you know, yeah. benefit I, from it. I, you know? When I am at home, I try to do a Saturday to a Sunday night dinner fast. So every I, week. I do 12 to 16 hour intermittent fast every day, mm. aside from the days where I'm traveling internationally or across many time zones where I'll, I'll eat breakfast at whatever the time zone is where I happen to be at. And sometimes that means it's not a 12 to 16 hour fast, but I do that 24 hour Saturday dinner to Sunday dinner fast. Mm. Um, I've got two, two other things regarding longevity. Yes. Uh, one would be, and I don't know if you guys have talked about this much on the show before, but these NAD or NR precursors, no. they're, they're becoming more and more popular. Companies like True Niagen and Elysium Basis, uh, Thorne has one called uh, uh, Niacel, and it's it's called NR, nicotinamide riboside. Oh, there you go. And it's a precursor to NAD, and we know when it comes to longevity, mitochondrial health, uh, inflammation. Seems to be a very your, your in, in, a strong NAD role for that. NAD to NADH ratios are incredibly yeah. important. And so now you can buy supplements that have some really good research behind them. Uh, last week, an uh, article came out, I think it was in the New York Times, about the pill that costs less than a cup of coffee that can make you live to 150 years old. I read that. Well, 10 years ago was resveratrol. You know, now, yeah. now, now it's uh, now it's it's nicotinamide riboside. And the way that you can you you can <laughs> you can also, and there are companies now who are selling patches. Uh, nasal sprays, it, uh, injections, and IVs are very common in a lot of these anti-aging IVs? clinics now. Yeah, so so I actually once every two weeks, I have a company in Texas that sends me NAD in a syringe. I'm not allowed to. I'm not. I'm not allowed to do IVs. I'm, I'm still competing in a, in a water yeah, sanctioned so sport. Like oh, so you can't do any. IVs. I can't put more than 30 ml into my body. Oh, interesting. So I can't okay. do a drip IV, but I can do a push IV. So I do a push IV of NAD. And it, it's a super uncomfortable injection. Like your gut burns and your body feels like it's on fire. Long you ass, finish, long ass needle or you what? finish and you feel freaking unstoppable. It's it's a you really, actually feel really a difference. Yes, and in tracking my telomere length, it drastically reduced telomere length when I began using not just NR in between my NAD injections, right? So I do NAD injections once every two weeks. I do NR every day to keep my NAD levels up. I drink a there's there's a tea. Dr. Mercola introduced me to this tea. It's called Pouty Arco Bark Tea. That's also an NAD precursor. So I have a batch of that tea in the fridge, and I'll just drink that as one of my beverages throughout the day. I like that because yeah. I like that because it's a natural form, and here's why. Because and I'm always careful because 
for example, you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago, it was all this research showing antioxidants are, are great for you. They fight free radicals. You need lots of antioxidants. Then they did studies where they gave people high fucking doses of antioxidants that you wouldn't necessarily find yes. in nature. And what ended up happening was increased risks of cancer and other problems because, right. it's, because th- it's not the same. And now you know why. What are some of the primary signaling molecules in your body? Free radicals. Mm. Free radicals. So you eliminate are what those tell and they can't tell all the show. mitochondria <laughs> whether energy is high or energy is low. We take all those away, and all of a sudden the mitochondria don't know which way is up and which way is down. Get cancer, right? Wow. Yeah. Wow. So so they go into these states of of unobtrusive energy production. Wow. So, <laughs> Yeah. So, so the so the NR uh, precursors and N- NR NAD. There's injection clinics popping up all over the place, and there's some really good research behind this. I go to a lot of these anti aging conferences now. NR and NAD and stem cells are probably two of the biggest things that anti aging docs and folks mm-hmm. at a lot of these conferences are talking about. Uh, but but you know stem cells. I think that's a horse that's been kicked to death. You know I've, I've talked about stem yeah. cells a lot. But it's interesting. There's there's one other category in my research for this book that I found really interesting, and that was a profound improvement in rodent lifespan with fecal transplants mm-hmm. with actual bacterial replenishment, especially in. So mice. you're shoving someone shit up your ass now? No, I'm not. I'll Don't, get to that. Uh, especially in mice it. with issues like <laughs> Clostridium difficile, C difficile. You know. C Seems to cause a decrease in lifespan, but by replacing colonic bacteria with with some kind of extra fecal matter from someone else, there appears to be some kind of an immune modulating effect. Interesting. Now, even though uh, there, there's clinics now, like the Tamount Clinic in Britain, there are websites where you can purchase stool from a healthy donor, have it shipped to you, and some pretty straightforward videos about how to do your own at home fecal transplant. Forget the Paul Chuck underwear. I, I would I, mean? <laughs> I would rather like eat a lot of really good prebiotics and take care of my gut and, and hopefully keep my gut to the point where I'm not getting Clostridium difficile. But if you did if you tested and you did have it, it might actually be prudent to do something like a fecal transplant therapy. But what I find more interesting, and this is something I started doing after seeing some of the data on this working very, very similarly from a longevity standpoint in terms of immune system modulation and gut health is this whole old friends hypothesis. The fact that we live in this ultra clean culture with antibacterial hand soap right. and, and uh, you know super clean hospitals and antibiotics and you don't want your, your dog to kiss your kid, God forbid. Right. And so what happens is you see a decrease in beneficial bacteria in the immune system becoming stronger in response to germs and bacteria. And so a lot of people now they're eating fermented foods and they're letting their kids you know go to petting zoos and play with farm animals. And now word is beginning to get out that it's pretty good to get dirty and and, and to get in touch with bacteria and dirt. Yeah. But then you can take that to the next level because many of these things, uh, measles parties. <laughs> that was actually pretty funny. I, I, I talked Thank right you. over you, but that was actually pretty funny. Uh, the, the, uh, some some of these the things are a little bit lesser known, like, say, whipworms or tapeworms. Mm. These actually have some very potent immune modulating effects, and many of them are not parasites because a parasite has to do damage to the host and and live within the host to be classified as a parasite but if it lives within the host that doesn't do damage and one could even argue mitochondria fall into that category as an as an ancient i think it's a eukaryotic organism that that got enveloped I, into a cell i read a book on this there was yeah. a there was a guy who wrote a book who had terrible crohn's disease and started reading about how people who would get infected with like hookworm for example 
had much lower rates of, of symptoms yes. from their Crohn's disease. So he actually went to uh, a third world country because nobody would give him hookworms to infect himself with. And he walked barefoot around uh-huh. latrines and stuff, got infected, Ugh. and his Crohn's disease pretty much went away. Today, now you, I don't think you can find any of these clinics in the U.S., but I know in, in Mexico, in, right? In Mexico, they have some of these where you'll go there and they'll actually infect they'll, you. They'll inoculate you. Chris Kresser so talking about Here's that. the problem with that. Those live within you and they don't go away. Mm. So a lot of people who do this, let's say with with like tapeworms, you know, they go to Mexico and they get inoculated. You start like pooping the tapeworm babies and your asshole itches. Oh. It's just like, <laughs> oh like there, it can create a situation where you are intensely aware that something is living within you. And some people lose weight because it begins to eat a lot of your calories and food stuff. But at the same time, there, are, there are certain <laughs> forms of, t- yeah, exactly. <laughs> along with your fat, along with your fat burning calorie restriction mimetic, we feature hookworm. Yeah. Key on hookworms. <laughs> Anyways, though, so some don't actually have the capability to survive for long periods of time within the body but still cause immune system modulation. And there are specific forms of rat tapeworms and pig whipworms that I researched for this book. And for the past four months, every two weeks, I've been dosing with oh my God. whipworms God damn it. and tapeworms. Literally, just, you drink them down. It's like this little salty... That's, I'm like not a, making out with you anymore. Like, it's like a, like a I was shot. Going to, You're sitting not, in my seat right now. I'm shitting know. or I'm sitting. You're sitting in my seat. Uh, what what I have it's disturbing. What I have noticed is my gut feels much better, particularly when I travel. Right. So I so I used to get like some gut issues and constipation. My gut would just feel kind of funky when mm-hmm. I'd go overseas. That went away, and my immune system feels like it just feels better. You know, I didn't get sick a lot anyways, but I feel, you know, I know I'm doing a lot of things. There's a lot of confounding variables, but ultimately <laughs> yeah. just the, is it the injection the, of the yeah, NAD? Exactly. <laughs> just the data alone on dosing with, with it's called helminthic therapy. Right. There you go. I yeah, forgot that. Now, now, therapy. now you have to That's keep, ta- interesting one. you have to keep taking them hmm. because they die. Right. So it's not like if you stop, yeah, your body gets like rid of for them. For me to dose for four months, I think it was about 1700 bucks. So mm. it's uh, hmm. it's, you know, it's a spendy protocol for you to do. And I don't know if I'll keep doing it, Dude, but people, I at least wanted to try it out and see how I felt. People I used feel to pretty good. pay to get rid of those things. You're paying to get them. But anyway, yeah. the, but no, I want to know. I want to know how crazy. often, like, so you, I know you've tried so many. I mean, you're the guy too, for sure. I, I love reaching out to, I did the BPC 157, by the way, for my Achilles and it was miraculous for that. It really was. I know Sal was anti. Oh no, I don't like the way it made me feel. But it, it, it was, it was huge for me. So but, sensitive. Coffee, BPC. Yeah. Did you know Did you know it actually uh, may influence the way that the, the dopamine acts in the brain? And uh, there's some studies showing that they'll, they'll give BPC to rats and then give them amphetamines, and the amphetamines won't affect them the same way because their brains become less sensitive to no dopamine. No kidding. Oral yeah. administration. Uh, they were doing injection. Yeah. And, yeah, and then oral. So I took a few shots of it, and I felt flat. Subcutaneously, uh, I did, and I yeah. felt flat, and so I stayed you away. Shot from into it. your gut, huh. right? Yeah, I did. Wow, yeah, wow. I, I've injected into joints. I've never done like the the subcutaneous into the gut. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. So anyway. huh. But anyways, I, I'm asking this because you've you've put so many things probably in your protocol for a while. How often is it that you? eliminate something that maybe you've been doing for a while and you're just like, okay, just the hassle to do that. I'm not seeing or noticing the benefits that much. It's not going to become something very regular for me. I can't imagine you can keep up everything. Yeah. Pr- pretty regularly, pretty regularly. There, there's stuff like, uh, 
Um, yeah, what were know, some of the last for, things that fell know, off? I guess the last couple, of, I, I hate to say so because I feel like I'm shoving people under the bus, but oh, I yeah. also have to be radically honest and just say how it is. Appreciate so that, like, you know. uh, uh, you know, like, like Theocrine, values. you know, like, like Theocrine, um, oh, right. you know, which was developed by one of my friends, Sean. And, uh, you know, it's like supposedly the super potent creatine precursor that gives you energy for days and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. I, I, I went through two bottles of it and just didn't feel a thing, you know, and I was hoping it would be like the, the next new biggest creatine. And grant, it could be just me because I know they have some good data behind it and, and some decent clinical research, but I didn't notice anything from mm-hmm. it. So, so that's one example. Um, another one would be, of course, like CBD for energy. I'd, I haven't really seen any benefits from something like that, but I haven't used too much of those like pick-me-up energy-focused caffeine CBD pre-workouts. Mm-hmm. I have them at home to try. Probiotics, almost zero probiotics have I noticed much of a difference from. Is that because you um, do such a good job of eating foods that are fermented? Probably, and, you know, but they say probiotics increase cognitive performance and... See, and I only feel that's true for people that are yeah, not probably getting it in their diet. Yeah, increased their rating diet. of perceived exertion and improved sleep and They've markers... I'm not, I'm not depressed, but markers of depression. Mm-hmm. And I don't notice that much They've at connected all probiotic use for some people with increased risk of SIBO, believe it or yeah. not. Mm. Yep, yep. Yeah, there, so. and, and I... One of the formulas I want to do for Keon is a complete gut formula. You know, I want sulforaphane and I want colostrum. And you're not putting whipworm in there. No, I'm not putting whipworm in there. Most is just that's not scalable. You know, (laughs) Uh, it's not NSF certified for sports. (laughs) Anyways, though, I also want to include a form of probiotic that could potentially uh, seed the gut. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm an investor. I'm, I'm not going to say the name of the company right now, but I'm an investor in a probiotic company developing a probiotic that could potentially act, you know, seed the gut and stay in there and not get degraded by the stomach mm-hmm. acid and prevent, f- you know, none of the difficulties that are currently presented with probiotic absorption. And if that one turns out to really flesh itself out in more clinical trials, that's what I would include in something like a supplement. That would be a probiotic that I take. But I've tried like 12 different kinds of probiotics and just mm-hmm. never kept up with them because I haven't noticed a thing. I haven't so. heard much about colostrum. Could you go like further into detail from that? Isn't that from breast milk? Yeah, it's, it's, it's well, the first part of mammalian milk. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of immunoglobulins in it. It has a lot of growth factors in it. It's a precursor for both growth hormones. That's an old school bodybuilding supplement too. Insulin-like growth factor, old school bodybuilding supplement. Uh, studies have shown that it helps to heal a leaky gut by improving the stability of zonulin, a protein in the gut lining that can, when it's not moderated, cause leaky gut, like increased gut permeability. It's also been shown to allow athletes to experience less gut distress and less gut permeability, Hmm. especially when exercising under stress in hot conditions. Uh, So the fact that it's relatively anabolic has some pretty good gut barrier, you know, protective capabilities. Uh, make it something that I like, but mm-hmm. that is something I cycle based on the fact that it's such a potent uh, growth hormone precursor, an IGF precursor. Like you don't want to be in a constant anabolic state. Return to our press pulse uh, discussion. Mm-hmm. So I load with colostrum. I'm on colostrum right now. I take eight Keon colostrum every morning because I have the Tahoe race coming up right here in right. here in a week. So I know my body's going to be going to battle for you know. I think that race will be twenty like, something hours. Or no, no, for, for me you. that'll be like a two and a, I've raced the the big long one there, but this year I'm racing the 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 fittest CEO challenge. Uh-huh. So I'll be I'll be racing pretty hard for about uh, who the hell's going to compete yeah, with you at that? Dave Asprey. I heard. I'm also yeah. <laughs> I'm also I, I have a triathlon on on Sunday. 
that I'm racing. I like to do some some short, fast race. So I get multiple reasons for me to take colostrum. So I don't take it year round. But what I do is whenever I have a big event coming up, I load with it for two weeks prior in the same way that you'd load with uh, beet juice for two weeks prior to mm. an endurance event. Mm-hmm. Did you dab? Did you jab Dave Asprey twice in this show? No, Jeff was just, just once. once. No, just he jabbed one. him once earlier. No. Well, that was off air. Yeah. That was off air. So, <laughs> so, Thanks, Captain Obvious. <laughs> have you have you ever messed around with the anabolic effects of cholesterol, dietary cholesterol? This is something that bodybuilders have used for a long time, and I've experimented with doubling or tripling my cholesterol levels uh, intake for you know a week or two. Strength increases every single time. Every single time I get strength increases from doing that. Have you ever messed around with anything like that? Do you think that that's because of the availability of fat-soluble vitamins or because it's an increase in, in cholesterol? Increase in cholesterol. The reason so- I ask is that, that there's, there's, some, there, there's, there's some research out there that shows that food does not have a, a big impact on cholesterol levels. Well, so you're right, but here's what's interesting. Uh, what's, and I just read that, what you're talking about, but here's what's interesting. So I control for all those factors. So I control for okay. all those factors. But also, there are several studies that support what I'm talking about, where they'll take, there was one in particular where they took uh, people between 50 to 60, so they were a little bit older, and they broke them up into three groups, and it was a, a, a low cholesterol, moderate cholesterol, and very high cholesterol intake, um, and they compared them all w- uh, to each other, and um, the biggest difference was strength and muscle. Strength and muscle gain, and it was directly related to the amount of cholesterol that they were consuming, and it came from egg yolks. Um, hmm. And bodybuilder like Vince Caronda, who was one of the old old school scientist bodybuilders uh, back in the nineteen maybe forties, used to put his athletes on these high cholesterol, you know, full fat dairy, um, lots of chicken liver and beef liver and egg yolk type diets, and people would see these crazy gains. Since I started experimenting with this, I started- and you're saying even when controlling for for all the other anabolic factors like you know more protein, more calories, Correct. more fat. Correct. And so I started. Huh. I've now told several people they've tested it themselves, and they've also noticed the same. Doug, in fact, I think Doug, didn't you? You do the same thing and notice an increase in cholesterol, gave you some more strength. So yeah, so I would love for you to look into that because you dive deep into things, and I think it's a fascinating. Especially because we've been told for so long that it's not good for you. Mm -hmm. Is it is it an increase in HDL or LDL cholesterol? Do you know if if if, you know if they've did blood tests? I don't do any blood tests. No, it's just I literally Mm -hmm. will go from eating on average two egg yolks a day to you know twelve egg yolks a day. Um, So dramatic increase in diet, and I can tell within a day or two. I literally can feel it when I work out, and it almost feels like my CNS fires harder. When That's I lift interesting. weights, I'm, I've never intentionally tried to raise cholesterol, but I, I, I guess I kind of have in that I try to keep my total cholesterol above 200. You, oh yeah, when you, so you just, you'd just actually get yours of, tested. Uh, yeah, the, the the cognition enhancing and the, the effects on the cell membranes and having high cholesterol. Assuming you don't have familial hypercholesteremia, mm-hmm. assuming you don't have high blood glucose, which can oxidize that cholesterol. Assuming your HDL to triglyceride ratio is favorable, meaning you don't have high cholesterol, but also high triglycerides, which would indicate overeating or high intake of vegetable oils or some, or you know, even non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or something like that. And finally, assuming you don't have high levels of inflammation, like high HSCRP or high homocysteine or high fibrinogen, in the absence of any of those factors that make cholesterol a cardiovascular risk factor, it's a good idea to keep your cholesterol elevated. You just have to, in my opinion, this is where I like blood testing. You got to kind of pay attention to some other variables. 
or at least know intuitively what's going to affect those variables. Like if you're eating a high cholesterol diet, processed sugar and vegetable oil is probably worse for you than the person eating the low cholesterol diet because you've got more around to be oxidized, right? You've got more around to to build these foam-based plaques in the arteries. So yeah, like I'm I'm a I'm a fan of keeping cholesterol elevated, but it, it needs to be uh, couched in terms of you also mitigating risk factors. What about what about sodium? Do you manipulate that at all? Are you paying attention to that as an athlete, especially? I I have really been geeking out on minerals. I mean, meaning a lot of minerals, less water, more minerals, based on all the stuff I've been doing with light and the fact that. Your body needs to be rich in minerals in order to properly respond to light-based signals, whether it's you know the juve or sunshine or whatever. And just drinking more water is not necessarily going to increase your level of minerals. You must actually drink like salt water or you know put uh, Himalayan sea salt. I hate to say this, but it's 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 high in iron. It's high in metals. It's one of the reasons it's colored. That's why it's pink. Even though it's pretty high in minerals, uh, Celtic salt is actually higher in minerals and cleaner. My people. Like if you're going to have a salt, yeah, you have the Celtic salt. Aye. Hey. Uh, so big fan of that. Uh, there are there are companies now selling like these super salty sachets. There's one called Quintron, another one called Quintessentials. I showed you like, Ooh, I, was, I was pulling out my magical Mary Poppins bag. I showed you like these, these trace liquid minerals that I travel with on a plane. So I do a lot of minerals, but I got into that way back, back in the Ironman days again, when I would go to bed and I could hear my heart rate pounding in my ears, right? And I, and I knew there was some kind of blood pressure regulation issue or something. It turns out I just went for a long period of time, mineral depleted. And we used to have an exercise physiologist come in and use a sweat sodium analysis patch to test all the athletes when I trained for just, team time to see how much sodium they lose when they so you see your sweat sodium loss. I was two to three times most of the other athletes. So you just sweat out a lot of I salt, have robust mm. sodium excretion mechanisms, which dictates that I need to take more sodium in or more minerals in. And the interesting thing when we when we talk about genetics is that. I come from a heavily Northern European heritage where traditionally there is a lot of fermentation, a lot of salting, a lot of pickling. It's a, it, you know, it's, it's, it's what is used to cure food. Wow. And so it makes sense that the body would respond by developing a mechanism that allows it to get rid of excess sodium hmm. or excess salt so that you don't see too high of a rise in blood pressure. Or the other thing that can happen is it can have a little bit of a, a de-alkalinizing effect mm. in the body. So let me tell you something that I just did recently and i want your opinion on it like what you think it might be so something happens sometimes when we get so caught up in work here we'll work like a 12-hour day we're talking like crazy i don't get a chance to eat i do make sure because i've teased this out to make sure it's not that i hydrate myself but i'll sometimes start to get these headaches and i get they're pretty bad headaches and you know i've gone home and tried oh thinking it's oh hydration drinking more water thinking it's oh i just need food your period (laughs) right So we, we, we were having this conversation. We, we got into a talk about uh, sodium the other day. And I thought, man, I wonder if, it, if I'm just like really depleted. And I wonder if my body goes through it really fast. Because I also noticed too, like uh, I can hold and release lots of water too. And so I, I wonder if I just have this ability to use it up really quick. And my body's needing that. And maybe it has something to do with blood pressure. Maybe that's what my headaches were happening. And so I the last three times this has happened, I've ate two dill kosher pickles mm. and the headache has gone away like almost instantaneously. It's crazy and it's a pretty serious headache. What do you think that is? Pickle fetish. 
Stupid. <laughs> Stupid. Pickle fetish. Terrible. No, I mean, it, it very good, very gargling. Very well could be related to a mineral deficiency. Although with headaches, it's typically magnesium, and I don't think pickles are very high in magnesium. But it certainly could just be as simple as what you've just elucidated, right? It's a it's a mineral issue causing blood sugar dysregul or blood pressure dysregulation, which is resulting in a headache. It's it's I'm three for three right now, so I don't know yet for sure. But I mean, this has happened to me three times. Three times I've gone back to that, and it's like instantly it's it's relieved me. Do you also crave things like? bananas and sausages because <laughs> yeah. we can have a discussion about this <laughs> later there are some other things right. that could be at play here okay keep the talking shit nerd keep okay. talking shit all right so 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 uh two more things uh you were what were we just talking about before adam <laughs> I had to, I talking about foods. his headaches oh. uh, you were talking oh, about how oh the minerals the genetics yeah. so when you look at the african-american population right not a strong heritage of salting and pickling and fermenting foods uh, not to stereotype, I know this sounds horribly racist, but time spent in, in especially in like, like the Southern American areas, time spent on slave ships, right? Like losing a lot of, a lot of, of sweat, losing a lot of sodium during those long periods of time in boats transported over from Africa and potentially the development of some pretty robust sodium retention mechanisms you put someone with that type of genetic ancestry that's a, into that's a, a fact. scenario that's a fact, yeah. of heavily salted foods and all of a sudden you see an epidemic of high blood pressure in african americans that you don't see with the same type of salt intake in northern europeans it actually says it in medical journals that african americans tend to be more sensitive to sodium in mm. relationship to high blood pressure that's right. actually in the if you were to read a medical journal it would actually say that yeah do you because your your body gets rid of sodium so quickly do you find uh, or do you test your other minerals? How how are you with your calcium, for example? Do you, are you yeah. worried about building up too much so, calcium? So I test on a quarterly basis uh, hydroxyvitamin D, which which can be relevant to calcium levels because if you have too much, which I rarely have, based on the reasons I was talking about earlier, you can get excess calcification. Mm-hmm. I test calcium. I test red blood cell magnesium, potassium. Uh, uh, CO2, which can be indicative of minerals because a, a low bicarbonate level can indicate that you have, for example, too much unopposed sodium that you're consuming, which would typically be from packaged foods. And I test chloride levels. So those are the minerals that I analyze on my blood. And really the ones I pay closest attention to would be that chloride, that bicarbonate level, which can indicate overall net acidity in the body. I mean, you Not you a gotta, good state. You got to eat less sodium, less caffeine, less alcohol, less red meat, step up your intake of dark leafy greens, that type of thing. And then magnesium, which I think is one of the most important minerals. And, and it's just called an RBC magnesium test. Super simple test. But those those are the minerals that I pay attention to on a quarterly blood analysis. So, yeah, I, I do track that stuff. Excellent. And the interesting thing about pickles, this was the second thing I was going to say, oh. is that, you know, this is relevant for all those people listening in who might be racing Tahoe next week or who are athletes, is that it turns out that cramping during exercise is very rarely due to mineral depletion or due to dehydration, especially in people who are already paying attention to those variables. They're using electrolytes, they're salting their food regularly going into a competition, they're staying adequately hydrated. I cramped during during my race or during my workout. What the hell? You know, how could that have happened? Well, it turns out that the majority of cramps are due to a protective mechanism, an alpha motor neuron reflex that basically causes the muscle to go into a protective spasm or cramp so that you don't tear it or rip it. It's generated by the Golgi tendon organ. Mm. So 
what you can do to reverse this cramp. And we know this works because when you do this, there's not enough time for any of these things to get absorbed into your system and absorbed into your muscles and provide salt to your muscles. Instead, it's all neural. So you can inhibit this alpha motor neuron reflex when you cramp by tasting anything incredibly salty or incredibly spicy. Hmm. And this is why there are companies now developing high-priced, like, you know, like these gel shots that are like carbohydrate gel shots? Yeah. Well, they're doing like pickle shots with cayenne pepper. And, and things that are like, you know, like, like mustard powder with incredibly huh. high amounts of salt. So there's almost like this gag reflex. But as soon as that hits you, it's a trick to reverse a cramp. So what I do when oh, I'm racing is I carry these electrolyte capsules that, that they, if you ever break open an electrolyte capsule and dump it in your mouth, it's horribly like gag reflex salty. But if you cramp within 20 seconds after that thing hits your, your sublingual huh. or the inside of your cheeks or anywhere else where you can taste it, the cramp goes away. What? It's crazy. Now, huh. now yeah. why does not every athlete have these on hand? I don't know. Now, is it because the... Because the, they don't the, listen the, to Mind Puff. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it because of the taste? The taste is signaling something in the brain to reverse exactly. this? Exactly. The okay. taste of something salty or spicy causes what's called a motor neuron reflex okay. and the cramp loosens. Now, this is something that you're, you're talking about. Yeah. People are making That's products cool. for it. So I'm assuming that this has lots of science supporting it. And it's a taste that sends a signal. So with that, this is one of the arguments I tend to ma- I make a lot with people in our space who try to say things like artificially flavored products with zero calories have no negative effects on the body. And I always tell them <laughs> the taste alone, even if, the, even if what you were eating was inert, the signal of taste alone does tell the body to do certain things. It does. And I'm, did you see the study that came out this week on sucralose? Splenda? No, which one? What was it? Which you get an activate, oh, that it, that it, it stores the, taste, you need it the taste of it activates glucagon-like peptide, GLP-1, and that actually results in insulin insensitivity with frequent sucralose intake. Now, granted... Because you know, you mentioned Lane Norton. I'm sure a guy like this is going to know this. Is going to say this. That's with the equivalent of close to a dozen packets of Splenda per day. That equivalent of sucralose. But frankly, when you look at a lot of these energy drinks and whey proteins and artificially sweetened compounds, there's the equivalent of a good two to four packets of sucralose or Splenda in just a single serving of those. So there's a lot of people in the fitness industry, especially in the fitness oh, industry. Yeah. Yeah. How common is this? And we've talked yeah. about this. We've opened, we've shared this on the show before where I would have, you know, uh, two or three of these in my coffee in the morning. Cause I'd have two or three cups of coffee. So I'm having getting at least three there. I have a protein shake. I have a protein bar and I have some sort of a pre-workout pre-workout shake or something. Easily. We were over that yeah. yep. easily. Exactly. And there's also so, duration. I'm using it for years because this yeah. is what I do every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And granted, I, I realized that this might sound hypocritical coming from a guy who regularly uses stevia, but I've never said that I believe that stevia may not be having an impact on incretent hormones right. or on insulin. For me, the pros outweigh the cons. I think there's le- it's less artificial and less potentially neurotoxic than aspartame or sucralose. Right. And it allows me to restrict calories very easily. When I'm, for example, on a long plane flight and I put some organic vanilla stevie into my into my seltzer water to make it taste like cream soda, right? So, so for me, the pros outweigh the cons of using an artificial sweetener. But even for that, I use either monk fruit or or mm-hmm. organic stevia. So, yeah, the, yeah, the artificial sweetened thing. And, I'm with and, you. Yeah, good, good point though. Based on the fact that when you taste something, it can reverse a cramp. Then why wouldn't it be that when you taste something, it can cause an insulin release or it's, at least a release of, of mm-hmm. you know, cholecystokinin or mm-hmm. some other incretin hormone. Well, we need to remember that these signals exist for a reason. Why do we even perceive taste to begin with? Because it tells us a lot 
about what's happening around us or inside of our mouths. And that signal by itself over, you know, thousands of years of, of evolution, that signal itself already starts a cascade of events before whatever was anticipated acts on the body. Uh, and so it only makes fucking sense. So we manipulate all these different senses thinking, oh, but the calories aren't there. It's inert or has zero effect. Wrong. That's impossible. Now, there may be a less of an effect. There may be a cost-benefit analysis that you do, uh, but there's definitely a fucking effect. And you're, I'm the same way. I would, I, I would err on the side of something that's natural versus something that's synthetic just because it's been around longer and uh, we tend to know and react better to things that have been around longer than yeah. things that are synthetic. Yeah. Ben, what do, what do you, what do, how do you feel when, you, when people refer to you as like the pseudoscience guy? You know, I saw that comment a lot uh, mm. after you did your Rogan interview. People were like, oh, pseudo, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of trolls on there. Yeah, how do you right. feel about that when someone says that? Technically, some of the things that I talk about are pseudoscience, such as religion and spirituality, which is very difficult, or I would even say impossible to prove in many circumstances. But I would argue that some of the things that I talk about, such as the fact that cells communicate via biophotonic light signaling, has been a proven scientific fact since almost the 1700s. It's just that a lot of this stuff is not common knowledge or people are, uh, to, to a certain extent, afraid of it because it disrupts societal expectations, meaning when you find out that plastic bottled water that you always knew had some of these plastics and phytoestrogens in it and is probably bad for you also has a different electrochemical structure than the spring water that you get from a natural spring that sounds like pseudoscience and people people kind of get a little bit uncomfortable about the fact that gosh that mean i need to replace the water filter in my house and go to find a spring.com and start drinking more natural water i think a lot of people it's just like it's uncomfortable it's inconvenient to accept the fact that sometimes pseudoscience what we call pseudoscience can tell us things that we get very uncomfortable with mm -hmm. um yeah, I mean, like th th those those are the two things that come to mind. And then, um, you know, I, I think the last would be that there is a certain amount of industry influence, everything from the pharmaceutical industry influencing uh, most medical physicians stance that essential oils would be useless or worthless simply mm -hmm. because there are pharmaceuticals that could do the same thing or there's a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor that beats out the St. John's wort that we were talking about so using St. John's wort as an antidepressant could potentially be pseudoscience you know Ben's out collecting yellow flowers <laughs> with his kids in the wilderness let's make a ha ha yeah. you know skipping naked through the meadow joke about Ben because you should just doing, take Prozac. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. We have all these studies on Prozac. Why wouldn't you just take that? So I, I think a big part of it too is um, is that there there's some amount of industry manipulation. Same thing when I say, you know, that oh, you, you should have if you're going to have milk, have it from you know cattle with uh, with an A2 genetic history because that protein compared to A1 is is better absorbed by the human body and results in less of an allergenic response mm -hmm. but if you're really wanting to dial things in then you should drink milk and prepare for all the trolls to jump in and laugh here like cue trolls you should drink something that's a little bit more thermodynamically favorable for the human body meaning it has a smaller protein than cow's milk 
like goat's milk right. or camel's milk or water buffalo milk even has a smaller protein than cow. And that's where everybody jumps in and laughs because this is the stuff that either people aren't talking about or there's a big, you know, there, there's a lot of industry influence from from the American Dairy, was it the American Dairy Association? Probably. They, I think it's the, uh, I forget if that's the exact title of I the think Dairy the ADA's Association. Uh, yeah, American Dairy Dental Farmers Association, Association yeah. whatever you call <laughs> it. <laughs> whatever you call it. You know, so so I think those are a few of the things that, that you need to bear in mind is A, Yes, some of the stuff I talk about, religion and spirituality, that is pseudoscience admittedly, and I'm okay and comfortable with that. I think if you could prove it, it would not be as magical as it is. Right? <laughs> if you could prove in J.R.R. Tolkien's book that the dragon was there and the ring actually works, and here's the science behind how the ring could work, mm. and here's how Golem could have lived to be as old as he lived, all of a sudden all the fun is stripped out of out of this magical pseudoscience book. Right. Right? And you could yeah. say the same thing about religion and spirituality in the life that we're leading. In addition, you know, it's inconvenient for a lot of people and people just tend to basic evolutionary ancestral mechanism be afraid of something they don't understand or something that's going to inconvenience them and then see there's there's the C or three, I don't remember again. The industry influence that I think also pretty dramatically influences consumer choices. Ben, yesterday's pseudoscience was uh, microbiome health. It was leaky gut syndrome. I mean, I remember talking about these things to my doctor clients, I don't know, 14 years ago, and then you know, laughing at me like, oh, that's hocus pocus. That's That, that was considered pseudoscience. Today, that's real science. They're real well, uh, stuff coming out. With that them. was the reason why I asked, because I would I would imagine, because we know you really well, and, so, and we have a lot of respect for you, and I think anybody who doesn't know you very well and they ask about you like to us that's the first thing that they say to me is like oh that pseudoscience guy i'm like oh you really don't know. right and and i'm guilty of that myself i make fun of uh, uh i make fun of dr mercola for talking on the phone on his freaking selfie stick <laughs> but you know what maybe when people are dropping dead of brain cancer 20 years from now everybody's gonna say gosh that was pretty smart of him to do mm-hmm. right so so i i mean, i've been i've been in that chair before where i've i've laughed at, at at him doing that or the fact that he wouldn't get in a and I'm sorry if he's listening in. I'm, I'm not throwing him under the bus. I'm just using this as an example. I love him, and, by the way. Yeah, yeah I, I love Dr. McClough, too. I learn a shit ton from him. Yeah. But he wouldn't get in the car to travel with me from L.A. to Malibu to visit a friend over there that I wanted him to hang out with because of the EMF potential on the highways and all these 5G power lines. And, and, How did and, he get uh, there? But he didn't yeah. go. So <laughs> He teleported. And, and you know what? <laughs> you know what? Ten so years from now, rather than me raising an eyebrow at that and thinking, oh, geez, just live a little. So, you know, you can't prove that by taking a car from L.A. to Malibu, you're going to get cancer. You know what? <laughs> that All that, quote, pseudoscience, unquote, that people might accuse him of, he, he could be laughing at us 10 years from now when, when the people that followed his advice are far healthier and living a longer time. Yeah, no, I yeah. agree. I agree. Well, you, all, you, have to, you, have to judge, you have to juggle modern life with a lot of these risks, but in, I think yeah. he's somebody – who, I mean, he lives it and breathes it, and so he goes yeah. in that... Sleeps you know, in a Faraday cage. He sleeps in yeah. a Faraday cage, right? Yeah. So, um, And people like you, I, I appreciate people like you. Do that kind of stuff so that the rest of us can pick and choose what we think is important based on what you're doing. So you may be doing all this other shit, all kinds of crazy stuff, 
and I'm going to take two or three of those big rocks or the big ones that I see make the biggest difference. Right. And, and when, when my right. dick falls off, you know, to avoid doing anything <laughs> that Ben did to his dick. Yeah, don't, That's right. Don't do dick shots. By the way, well, speaking of... Uh, of your dick. Of, yes, speaking yeah, of your dick. <laughs> nice segue. Yeah. Dick, yeah. So that's, I just I'm listening, yeah, talking totally, about my dick. Uh, yeah. I totally shoved my... my uh, whoa, whoa, hey. Whoa, 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 put my mouth. Tread lightly. Jeez, I can't say anything. Um... Uh, Lane Norton. Speaking of dicks, yeah. no, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Jokes, people. We actually, oh, we made you know some jabs I've, today. I've never, oh, I've never wow. hung out with Lane. I've he did. He was trying to talk shit about you. Wait, wait, a little bit, but, but honestly, every, gonna go every, on Rogan, everything I've maybe, heard right? of him, he's, like, he seems like a very, very cool, grounded, nice. Dude, so I I I meant nothing by the dick segue, but the, the, I was actually referring <laughs> to the fact that, that I guess he's going to be debating Dominique D'Agostino yes. on the Joe Rogan podcast yes. about uh, ketogenic diet. How do you think that's going to go? Yeah. Your opinion? I wish you were on there. Yeah, I know. I, I kind of wanted. I saw you throw your name in well, the hat. Well, no, I'm I'm not a PhD. You know, but both of those <laughs> so, guys are doctors, right? Um, so I, lame. So yeah. lame reason. I just no. think, yeah, I think if you're gonna have a death match, doctor against doctor versus doctor against like you know pseudoscience guy. I'm, technically, <laughs> I'm an exercise physiologist and right, nutritionist, right. but I'm right. not board certified in exercise physiology, and I have a master's degree in it. But you know, there there are there's a whole bunch of reasons why I'm less qualified than both those dudes. Mm. So I I think it's gonna be. I think it's going to be way more humble, way better yeah. ego than, I'm, than those guys. I'm not sure. I, and I think uh, there's another guy that's going to be debating on there, uh, Joel Kahn, mm. a vegan dude. Oh. I don't know who he's going to be debating. Chris Cresser, I thought, right? It could be. It is Chris Cresser. Yeah. It yeah, could be. Yeah, Chris. Um, uh, uh, gosh. It's interesting. It's hard because everybody I've just listed, except Lane, and it's just we haven't had the opportunity to hang out. They're kind of sort of my friends and acquaintances and for me to make a prediction yeah. in public. But you know what? There's also something to be said for radical honesty. So I'm sorry to say this, uh, Joel, but I think Chris is going to kick your ass mm. uh, in that debate. Um just because I think he's a little less dogmatic, perhaps. Mm. Um, I love you, Joel. You know that. Uh, and then uh, regarding Lane and Dom, I suspect that that's going to turn into a polite exchange of ideas mm. versus an actual debate. I think both of those guys—they're all—they're both friends they, too. Yeah, yeah they, they, they might be on a little bit too friendly of terms, or or they are. It's way too friendly, polite and gentlemanly. Mm. And I think it's just going to turn into a scientific exchange of ideas. It's just going to be them. Yeah. yeah, if no, it's going to be like that. That's yeah. I, that's I, I could see that. Yeah. yeah, especially I mean, uh, and, and you know, I've, I've hung out with Dom. He's like a big cuddly teddy bear. Oh, he's you know? a great. Guy. He's Love not going to rip your head off and say, no. you know, that's bullshit. No, I'm actually a little disappointed yeah, in yeah. Joe as matching. And I don't know if Joe made the decision or somebody else is matching those two up because if you wanted some good radio, you would have put something fiery on the other side of like because Lane can be that. Like, yeah, if, yeah Lane can. If definitely you poke be at that. Lane, oh, you'd have Lane and Gary Tobbs or something like yeah, that. Because that was who he was going after initially. Yeah. I think. Yeah, that's what he should have done. I think he would have made better radio. I, yeah. Dom, I know Dom too is going to be, and I know Lane. Like Lane will throw some points out, but then Dom and Dom. Oh, okay. In that case, I could see that, but. But in most, it's going to be a lot of agreeing back and forth on their points. I don't mm -hmm. see him challenging him that much. Right. Well, the the older I get, the less I give a shit about what people actually care about me, and the less <laughs> I find myself being a people pleaser, which is probably why you know the old men in the locker room walk around with their hips thrust out and their mm -hmm. dicks blow dry their balls, blow dry their yeah. ball because they don't really give a shit anymore. I do that now. You know, yeah. so, same same thing. <laughs> if I were to yeah. go on that podcast and debate somebody, I would be blow drying my balls all day long. <laughs> 
and calling out bullshit right and left because I really don't give a shit. Uh, like that. That's great. Well, we well, love you, bro. We yeah, fucking man. love you, Ben. Yeah, we yeah, love you, brother. Yeah, always yeah, a good time yeah. when we when we when we run into you and uh, always a good time, man. Yeah. When, you, nice. when you take off, when you tonight or tomorrow? I'll fly out tonight. I think like seven or something. So I, and it's out actually out of San Francisco. So I should probably. Oh God, you better get wrapping up, up here pretty soon. Maybe uh, maybe maybe pop a few of these wonderful candies that we have laying around. Yes, and sir. Head over to you already did. Yeah. I, I counted. Yeah. So I think you're okay. Yeah. 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 Maybe 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 four. I don't know what I took oh, so far. No. Yeah. no, just just a couple. Just a By the way, I, I want to finish with this that um, I only endorse uh, responsible use of any mind altering substance, and furthermore, I I uh, think that it's perfectly fine for bros to sit around shooting the shit and you know dropping f bombs and everything else. But you know when when I'm when I'm around ladies and in a polite etiquette situation i am i'm not a foul mouthed druggie i guess uh. is what i want to say <laughs> great disclaimer i'm glad you <laughs> cleared that up for everybody. You. no yes. no you you are you are a very stand up no, person yeah. you have tremendous integrity you're very humble off yeah, you but just, i also like to hang with the dudes you know yeah, yeah, so we're yeah, just yeah, having a great time and you're in mind pump studio and yeah, this is how yeah. we this is how we roll this is how so we do it yeah. we much we appreciate it thank you awesome thank you for listening to mind pump if your goal is to build and shape your body dramatically improve your health and energy and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now, plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.